What's up, podcast world? Chad Belding back at you with another exciting, I'm talking exciting episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. We're going to be back in the fitness world and the mixed martial arts world, the disciplines of martial arts and what it means to be a martial artist and who can become a martial artist. I got all kinds of thoughts and inquiries and I've been talking to people about martial arts and I've gotten ideas from people on what to talk to. I'm going to introduce my guest in a second. He's a badass. I've only known him for a few short months, but uh, he's got it going on mentally, physically, emotionally. His psyche is strong. You guys are going to enjoy what he has to say about everyday life and pretty much making a better version of yourself daily. And I want to start off by just saying real quick that today's podcast is brought to you by the 2019 North American Whitetail Championships brought to you by Bone Collector and our friends in Kansas at Wicked Outfitters. Clint Walker and Steve Schmidt have put together one heck of a contest. The entry fee is only $300 that enters you into a chance to qualify to win $50,000 cash money. $50,000 can be yours for entering for $300 for the 2019 North American Whitetail Championship. And when you enter, that $300 automatically gets you a, a prize package valued at more than that with a Tacticam, a Gator Coolers tumbler cup, broadheads, peep sights, accessories for your bow. It's going to be an awesome contest. It's safe. It's ethical. Let's keep whitetail hunting at the forefront. We need to come together as hunters, sportsmen, conservationists. And that's exactly what the NAWTC is about. So visit NWATC.com and get signed up for the 2019 North American Whitetail Championships brought to you by the title sponsor, Michael Waddell, and that Booger Bottom Georgia crew called Bone Collector. It's also brought to you today by our friends at Mountain Ops in Utah, best supplements on the market, in my opinion. I love the Harbinson brothers. I love their culture. I love what they're doing in the industry. They are all about Second Amendment rights. They're all about the outdoors, conservation, like we love to talk about. They're all about living this lifestyle and supporting the shooting and hunting lifestyle. And that's what it's all about. Thank you, Mountain Ops. And last but not least, they've been with us for about seven years now, Elk Ridge Knives. I can't explain how excited I am for their new portfolio, their new offerings for 2019. I first saw them at the SHOT Show in Vegas in January. I'm looking at about eight of them right now and they are the cat's meow. Stay sharp, America. I don't care if you're hunting. I don't care if you're putting up a tent, if you're camping at a KOA, if you're skinning a deer, if you're processing meat, butchering meat, cooking in the kitchen. They make a knife for all of that. So you want to be able to depend on your knife. It's one of the most important tools in our arsenal, and it's what makes us have that survivor mentality, that outdoor mentality, that provider mentality. Remember, when you put your feet on that ground every morning, Figure out how you can provide for your family, your friends. Put a smile on their face by putting badass, good-tasting food in their mouth. Elk Ridge Knives, thank y'all. And without further ado, my guest today is Zach Robo. He is a bona fide badass when it comes to mixed martial arts and martial arts disciplines. And they don't like to be called badasses because one of the main things, Zach, that I've learned being around you is that there's not a lot of talk about it. The, one of the parts of martial arts is the the discipline and the respect for, right? It teaches you the mental, the, the mental outlook on it is you respect everybody and it's only used when needed. Is that, is that something that's fair to say? Yeah, that's definitely something uh, that's implicated in the arts for sure. Um, you know, we're all about being humble um, and we don't, we don't brag about what we can do or uh, you know, someone's like, Hey, can you kick my ass? I'm like, yeah, no, maybe there's always a lucky punch. You know, but um, it just keeps you really humble in that regard. What? How old were you when you got into it? 
so I started when I was six years old, um, started in just a traditional kind of Taekwondo deal. Um, I was playing three sports at the time. So soccer, baseball, and martial arts. And parents said, pick one. And I wanted to be a ninja and went from there. So you really did. When I was a kid, I would watch Nine Lives of a Ninja. I'd watch Enter the Dragon. I'd watch tons of, um, you know, Bruce Lee, Return of the Dragon, Bruce Lee movies. But I'd also watch a lot of ninja movies with like Sho Kazugi and the different Japanese stars that, you know, they had the blow darts and the smoke bombs and all, you know, the martial artists and uh, the martial arts disciplines included in the movies. And it's to be a ninja is a real thing. And I think that people don't understand what comes with that with first off, I think it has a lot to do with your psyche, your mental stability, um, your discipline, being able to even take the first step in a black belt is it's, it's not easy. And I'm not saying that it's the hardest thing in the world, but it's definitely takes a lot of dedication and commitment and being a, like, talk to me a little bit about the first steps in it. Is it something that when you go in there, you have to be limber? Do you have to be in shape a hundred percent can you have a little bit of a belly is it more about breathing is it more about um you know the yoga positioning that you need to be get your body in i see all the the stuff that you guys do and how do you get started like when you first go in do they teach you like hey here's a roundhouse kick or do they sit you down and teach you hey you got to get your core strong you know and 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 those parts of the body um it, it really depends on what age you're in so if you're a kid coming in you know a lot of it Yes, you're going to come in, you're going to do basically an introductory uh, class. So you don't just go into the class um, knowing nothing, right? You join a class, you know a jab, you know a cross, you know a front kick. Um, but we, we talk about your mind a lot. So with kids, it's all about respect. I mean, their, their minds are going a million miles an hour. And it's just really trying to get them to focus and have that respect. And also kind of be a, have someone to look up to, be that role model a little bit. So um, I think that keeps keeps that age group um, a lot more a lot more in it, mentally in it. Um, I think as you move older, you know, sometimes teens come in, uh, their parents a lot of the times are like, hey, I want you to try this, you know. Um, bullying in school is a huge thing right now. And so it's like, hey, let's learn some self-defense. Let's learn how to protect yourself. And let's get you some confidence. You know, confidence is huge and something that's, that's lacking a lot. And, um, and I think adults, they... Uh, a lot of times you see the adults, they always wanted to try it, but they, they, never, they never took that step. So their kids want to try it. So, it's, so you're saying that pretty much it's never too late to start? Yeah, 100%. So if I'm 65 years old, I can enroll in a, the, the, what's the studio that you practice in? Uh, Conviction Martial Arts. So CMA here in Reno, and yep. the owner of that is? Kelly Parati. Who's an absolute... She's a world champion, right? Yeah, she's jiu-jitsu. a badass. Yep, jiu-jitsu champion. She went down, trained with uh, Greg Jackson in New Mexico for a while, was on their fight team for a bit. So. And now she's in Reno. She owns Conviction. She is actually, that's also where Erin Pendola got her first degree black belt, right? Yep. And w- when you talk about black belts, is it something that it's okay for me to say that Zach's a black belt, Aaron's a black belt, or do you guys not even like that being known? No, totally. It, so it can be known. Yeah. So when you, when you start talking about these different ages that come in, you talk about like bullying and self-defense and, 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 the, and, and just the confidence in a person to be able to just not go and, and, and show off or go out on the playground and start whipping somebody's ass. But it's more about, hey, if something happens, I'm going to have at least an idea of how to protect myself, defend myself. And if it comes down to it, to, to put hands on somebody else or kicks on somebody else, because that's my right to have self-defense. That's what mixed martial arts is. It's the self-defense. 
um, you talk about um, the kicks and the punches and the crosses and everything that you do as a fighter, but really you're not going to go out and just start a fight. I mean, I understand in the UFC, you're paid to fight, you get in there and fight, but even those fighters have an unbelievable respect for each other. I know there's a lot of smack talking to build that fight up and sell pay-per-view tickets or get the ratings up. But at the end of the day, those guys got a lot of respect for each other. Maybe not a hundred percent of them, but mixed martial arts and the martial arts discipline, I wanted to start this conversation off by as far as life goes, and I'm glad you went into the, you know, the, the, the confidence and the bullying and all that. As far as everyday life goes, I can't think of anything better to get your mind right. I'm thinking right now it's wrestling, martial arts, boxing. Those disciplines are like so special to have in your, you know, up your sleeve. And so that's what I'm thinking is like, you're getting into it at six years old because you're, you told your mom and dad, Hey, I want to get into martial arts because I want to be a ninja. And then it just grew from there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I started, so I grew up watching a lot of Steven Seagal. That was, that was my jam with my parents kind of deal. Uh, you know, breaking arms and things like that. But, uh, yeah, just moved forward with that. Um, really enjoyed it through high school. Then I found sparring. I ranked up I ranked up enough in the arts to start sparring and then I was history. So really just getting in there with my buds and putting on gloves, headgear, mouth guard, and just going after it. So you're, you get in there at six years old and you, you go into your first introductory class. Mm -hmm. And did you know at that time you were hooked in that it was going to be a lifelong passion? Because now what are you close to 30 years old? Yeah, 27. You're 27 years old and you're a fourth degree. Let's, I haven't even said this part yet, but you are a fourth degree black belt in martial arts. And that, that includes different disciplines. Tell me the disciplines. I know that Taekwondo has to be in there, right? Right. Taekwondo is kind of the original one. Um, and I would say that's where I got my first degree black belt. Uh, going from there, once we kind of moved into a mixed martial arts uh, belt integrated system, um, really started working into self-defense portions such as Krav Maga, um, Thai boxing, and uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu became really big in the art. So you're saying that the second, third, and fourth degree black belts were a mixture of Krav Maga, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and, and what was the third one? Uh, Thai boxing. So Thai boxing is it, that it, it comes from Thailand? And what is there a different is it, it's originated in Thailand, but is there a difference between that and American boxing? Yeah. So, I mean, you have the traditional Muay Thai and, you know, I've, I have friends that do traditional Muay Thai and, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's exactly to par as Muay Thai, but we definitely do a Thai boxing slash kickboxing. We're using our elbows, we're using our knees, we're using our punches. And it's, it's not necessarily the cardio kickboxing you see like the workouts, but it's, uh, it's, it's more or less striking with with all eight parts, your two hands, two elbows, two knees, and your kicks. Okay, so that's Thai boxing. Yep. What's Taekwondo? Taekwondo is traditionally um, kicks. The stances are a lot different, um, and you are wicked fast with your feet, doing a lot of head kicks, spin kicks. Um, so Thai boxing includes the eight body parts that you can throw with. Taekwondo is the basics of stances, posturing, core development, and being able to kick at different levels of the body from the head all the way down to the shins and, and in between. So Taekwondo is more, is, is more geared towards your legs and your feet. Yeah. Taekwondo has nothing to do with hands. There's definitely hands in there. There definitely is hands. Is yeah. it more, are the hands used more for just self-defense and blocking or do you actually throw in Taekwondo? You do throw. You do throw. Yep. So 
why is there a difference? Why is there Taekwondo and why is there Thai boxing? Did Thai boxing just like take the basics of Taekwondo and, and raise the bar on it to where they, they started including elbows and spinning elbows and different things like that? No, I really think it's uh, two completely different martial arts. So, um, you know, Muay Thai is obviously in Thailand and they have really perfected um, close, close quarter combat, I would say. Um, in a, in a striking manner where Taekwondo, your distance is a lot farther, you know, it would be, you know, learning to strike somebody that's three, four or five feet away. So really being able to explode and use your, use your kicks and use your distance, use your reaches. So, so give me like an idea. If I'm five feet from you, I picture you coming at me and bouncing on your, your, your left foot and giving me a solid side kick to the midsection, right? Right. Like right into below my sternum or something. I I'm, I'm trying to like get like on layman's terms of if you're five feet from me, you have to get close enough to me to not just make contact, but to put something behind it. So you kind of like hop on one foot and then throw a strike into the midsection. Is that, that's considered a what kick? That'd be a side kick, a side kick. And that's Taekwondo move. Yeah. But can you also do a sidekick in Thai boxing? I'm sure you could. Yeah. So the the Thai boxing black belt is mixed in with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is, is that include kicking in hands or is that mainly submissions? That is all groundwork. That's all groundwork. Chokes, joint manipulation uh, on the ground. So when you're on the, when you kick somebody, you get, they go down and then, or you shoot on them and you take them down. Now you're in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fight mode. Yeah, correct. But when you were on your feet, you're in a Taekwondo or Thai boxing yeah. mindset. Yep. When you go to train for jiu-jitsu, Brazilian style jiu-jitsu, which the, the, the Gracie family made it very famous in my opinion. And as far as MMA goes, do you start on the ground? Does all of that training just start on the ground? Like if me and you were, if you and I were to get into a jujitsu training session right now in this studio, would we just get down on our hands and knees or on our backs and you would get tied up with me and we start on our ground or do that? Cause all fights start on the feet. Right. So jujitsu, uh, the Brazilian jujitsu knows that you're going to go to your feet, but they're trying to like when Hoyce Gracie first came to the M- UFC, he was fighting guys that weighed 150, 200 pounds more than him. He was fighting three, four, five times a night and he was choking them all out within like 30 to 45 seconds. He would like entice them in and draw them in and bait them in. And then he would get that. He always wore that gi and then he would choke them out mm-hmm. or he would arm bar them and he would submit them. Right. So, so Brazilian jiu-jitsu is on the ground always. Yeah. I mean, there is a, there's a takedown portion to it, but that goes into your, a wrestling art that goes into your judo, um, doing takedowns, things of that nature. But then when you get really on the ground, there's no, it's not like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu takedown class, right? It goes into just wrestling or judo, your throws, your takedowns. So are you a good wrestler too? No. You were no. never trained in American style, Olympic style, Greco-Roman freestyle, collegiate wrestling styles that we have here in the States? I've, I've trained in wrestling. I'm confident in a double leg. And that's about it. Yeah. That's all you need. Is that all you stopped at? Because that's all you needed. Because as soon as you got me down, you would go right into your jujitsu moves and, or, or an arm bar or one of this, one of the techniques that you're, you're taught through that discipline. Yeah. It, I think it's more just something I haven't trained quite enough. Um, like I'd love to get back and do some, a lot more, uh, like judo and wrestling and kind of refine those techniques. Um, I would definitely say I'm not extremely proficient at those at this moment. Okay. So 27 years old, your fourth degree black belt. Is that, is that on the fast track of black beltness in, in, in the mixed martial arts or are there 13 or 14 year old kids that have a fourth degree black belt? You know, what's the average? How long does it usually take to get to that rank? Right. Um, so traditionally it takes 
four years to get your first degree, and then you add in add on those years. Four years. Yep, four years for your first degree black belt. That's okay. basically the master of the fundamentals. Um, and then you go into your second. It's two years to your second degree, three years to. Your okay, third wait a minute. Degree. Wait a minute. Before you go into the second degree, four sure. years to master the fundamentals. Why? How? How often during that four years are you in the in the studio with? What is the instructor called for that first degree? It's not a sensei, or I mean, is there different levels or different different coach coach names or coach terms? Sure, yeah. So what would it be for that fundamental black belt, the first degree? Um, so it's called, uh, it's all in Korean, so it'd be uh, Chogunim. Okay, so Chogunim, you get your first degree after four years, but how often are you training in those four years? Is it once a month, once a week? Uh, no. Or I, as much as it takes to master it? I would say I was training anywhere between... I was probably about four to five days a week for four years. Yep. And you had the same, what was the Korean word again? Choganim. You had the same Choganim for all four years as the first degree black belt. Um, so first degree black belt is the Choganim. And then, um, I think my instructor, he was at the time a fourth degree. And so that would be a Buquanjanim. Um, but, and that was in Reno. Yep. Was that like an Ernie Ray style deal? Wasn't Ernie Ray's junior like in Reno at one time? He used to have a show on TV called Sidekicks, right? Oh, did he really? I think, yeah, Ernie Ray's junior was on a Taekwondo TV show that I used to watch. And I'm older than you by 12, 13 years, 14 years. Mm -hmm. Don't even know how much older I am than you. Older than that. Ernie Ray's Jr. was on the uh, on the TV in the late 80s or early late 80s, I think, with a show called Sidekicks that was like a 30 or 60 minute show every week. He okay. was this little kid that would just fly around and whip people's ass. But I thought that he, his family had moved here or something. He had a studio here or something. But anyway, I'm getting off track a little bit. But you're, you four, four years, you're training four to five days a week. You get that. You go in now. And it's at the end of that four-year term. And is it just like, hey, coach, this is Zach. I'm ready to test for my black belt. Or is there a time set like, hey, Zach, this date, four years from now, you're going to come in here. And it's just going to be you and me and is there a panel? Is there people that watch you and judge you and give you marks? Are there people that are going to say, no, you didn't get your black belt. You got to test again. Is it a guarantee that you get it when you go into that testing phase? How does that work once you're ready to test? What, what, what does the testing phase uh, consist of? Sure. So it's actually, it's a super cool deal. Um, and generally there's a group. Um, so if you started and you got your white belt and your orange belt and your gold belt with this group, they're all going to be together pretty much. If they stick with it, they train the, train the same amount, they'll probably all test for their black belt in the same period. So you go into this with this big group. Um, and generally we've waved it out to be a six month process. So what they do is they create a checkbook. So, um, you know, it's all the, all the techniques, all your basic fundamentals, right? Um, and then, you know, you do your class, you do your training, this, that, and the other, and then you go to the instructor and say, Hey, can I, can I test for, let's, keep it basic. Let's go rear leg front kick, you know, and he's going to watch your rear leg front kick. And if, you know, if it's, if you nailed it, if it was great. Then he's going to sign off on it. How if do not, you nail it? Is it how bad it hurts him? Do you do it on somebody? Uh, no. So a lot of times we'll do it on like a piece of x-ray paper or uh, shield kicking some target. So do they, do they measure your contact points and a certain amount of your, your skin or your leg has to make contact for it to be a legitimate kick? Um, so in that sense, I mean, you have a, you have your chamber, which is bring your knee up to 90 degrees. You have a full extension, your lockout, uh, you know, your foot shape, your toes have to be pulled back. And then you have a recoil back to 90 degrees. So we're looking for basically those three parts within the technique to make sure you have the fundamental down, the foundation. And you do all of those 
separately to where you got to come up, raise your leg to the 90 degrees, kick out, and then bring it back and still hold your balance. Right. They're watching all of that. Yep. And is there a certain that. amount of power that has to be on the on the contact part of the kick that that or does the does the 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 panel just know like yes that's a legit kick we could hear it by the way it hit the pad or the way it smacked the X-ray paper or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. You can kind of see you can see the snap. You can see the power. Um, you know, it could even be a big guy holding holding a, the pad to to uh, take the kick, but. I mean, sometimes he's not going to move, but you can still see it's a strong kick. So you start this six month window after training for four years, this panel, this group of people are there. Now they're all have the mindset that within the next 180 days, we are going to achieve our first, we're going to test and achieve our first degree black belt. And we're going to do it in, in segments. So the first segment is this kick. And now you've got that whip. So now they mark that off in the checkbook. Right. And now you go, all right, coach. What, what's the coach called? I don't want to disrespect the discipline. What do you call the person? What is Kelly called or what is some, what is your trainer called that you're testing with? So, um, I mean, kind of rule of thumb. If you're, if you have an instructor, you call them sir or ma'am. Okay. So it's an instructor, sir right. or ma'am. Yep. So now you go to your instructor a couple weeks later and say, Hey, I'm ready to test for my second part of my checkbook. Yep. And so you keep going through this whole checkbook. So, I mean, you have, um, tie combos, which is just a, just a set part of movements of that includes all the, all the tie boxing. Um, and then you have like your kick combo. So you have the single kicks then you go into, you know, where you're going like a slide front kick and then a roundhouse and then a side kick. And then you move into, you know, maybe some traditional forms when we, you know, dial into the old school, uh, traditional Taekwondo stuff. So is there one thing that they get that they have to keep for the very end or can you choose what your last part of your black belt's going to be for your first degree uh you pick you pick what it is so do you pick the easiest to start with or do you try to train for the most difficult to let it go easier to where you know you're going to get it or do you want that climax at the end to where hey i'm going i'm going for the biggest roundhouse or whatever it is to achieve my first degree what was yours that your last your last test so when I do the checklist, I always go for the hardest first because I feel like I will probably fail. They won't give me my checklist, but I also get more feedback and I'll be able to work on that feedback longer. So then once I get through all the stuff that I think I'm going to fail on, I go into my strengths, get my strengths signed off and then double back and retest for the weaknesses. How, how often did that happen in your first degree? Did you have several that you had to go double back and retest for? Absolutely. I, I, uh, I failed my first degree test. You did? Yeah. How many, did you pass it on the second time? I did. And how long was it in between your first, your first trial and your second? Um, I want to say it was a year, another year you had yeah. to go in and, 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 and practice and train and get your techniques even better. Yep. So this is like, this isn't a given, like, it's not that you sign up and you pay somebody at CMA and they're going to guarantee you a black belt. They hold the utmost respect to that belt and to be a qualified instructor that is allowed to give, or do you have to get qualified? If I get my first degree black belt, am I now qualified to give you it if you test for it? Uh, no, you have to reach a certain qualification to do that. I assume too. I believe the rule is two ranks above. So you had to have a third degree or fourth degree above you to get your first degree. Correct. It couldn't have been a second degree. I don't believe so. Okay. So now you go in there and you double back. And do you remember what your last test was? Your last double back, the one that you failed on? What was the last thing that you did to get your first degree? I probably have to go with, uh, probably kicking. Kicking's not my, not my strength. I thought it was. No, 
Really? Yeah. Hands are? Yeah, I would say hands and then uh, tie kicks, leg kicks. Really? Yeah, they're nice so, and low. Yeah, so they're nice and low. So why is that? You don't, you're not tall enough, your legs aren't long enough, you're not flexible enough. Why would kicking to the midsection or the sternum or the neck or the head area not be your deal? Uh, definitely flexibility, mobility. Flexibility. So when you watch somebody like John Jones, mm -hmm. that he is amazing at high kicks. Like there's several guys and that just shows you like talking to you, it's putting this thought in my mind that these guys just aren't out there kicking for the heck of it. I mean, these guys are, they're qualified to be able to, it's not easy to raise your leg above your head in first place, but then to be able to put enough power behind it to knock somebody out with a shin, you know, making contact with your shin on their temple or side of their head or their jaw, it's not easy. So you're saying that you wouldn't be that guy that head kicked me. You would be the guy that shin kicked me, got me to drop down to try to defend that. Then you would place some hands on me and then double leg me, take me down and submit me with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You have all of that covered in your four degrees of black, in your four black belts. Right. Everything I just named you can do to where you not, you don't necessarily have to end me with one. You can combo them all together now. Yeah. That's a good game plan. Yeah, so yeah. the game plan comes from having that is a pretty good game plan. If I was going to write one up, yeah, that's know? not bad, man. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get a job at Uriah Faber's gym. I just heard Uriah Faber's coming back. Did you see that? He's coming out of retirement to fight again. Well, from I I don't know if it's a rumor or not, but I've been hearing it. Who's he fighting? I, well, he's doing a he's doing some grappling overseas on a grappling tournament. But I heard he's going back into the USADA testing and going to get back into MMA. And I don't know if it's going to be through Bellator or the one championship or UFC. I haven't heard of any of the, any of the, the, the brands that he signed with, but I heard that. So anyway, I love watching him fight, dude, the California kid. So now you go, you test for the kicks. They were your set. You had to back up and, and, and go test for these high kicks again. Yep. Do you go out and, and get, and party your ass off now i'm a first degree black belt we're celebrating is that or is it just like i'm quiet i'm going back into my into the locker room i'm showering i'm putting all of my th i'm going to fold everything put it back in my bag i'm gonna get in my car i'm gonna go home and i'm gonna study and figure out what it's going to take to get to the next level right away or is there a little bit of a man that was unreal i just got my or is it right away man my mind is already i got to work towards my second degree right yeah i think um when i got my first degree i was probably uh 11 years old so I skipped out on the partying, maybe had a couple of Red Bulls. <laughs> so um, you were 11. Yeah, 11, 12. So you've been, a, you've been a black belt, you've been a black belt for close to 20 years. Yeah. 16 yeah, years right now. Yeah, that's safe to say. 16 years you've, you've been a black belt. So now you're, you're 11 years old. Do you have to go to your mom and dad and say, hey, I really think I have what it takes to be a second degree black belt. I want to stay in this. Or was it just already assumed like he's in it? He's, he's staying in. I mean, obviously it costs money to go to these gyms. Sure. But it was, it was something I did with my family. So, uh, like I did it with my dad, did it with my sister. Mom wasn't into it. Your dad's a black belt. Yeah. He's got his third degree. Really? Yeah. And your sister does too? She's got her first degree. She called it quits after that one, but yeah. Have you seen the movie Fighting with Our Family or whatever with The Rock? It sounds like we could have filmed your family. You guys have three oh. black... You haven't seen that new movie? No. I haven't either, but it's called Fighting with My Family, and it's about a fighting family. I think it's about wrestling, though. I think it's about like WWE and making it in that wrestling game, but three people in your family are black belts. Mm-hmm in your immediate family are black belts. So now you're 11 years old and you have to say, 
in two years, I'm going to get tests for my second degree or how long is it now in between that first degree execution and now starting your testing phase for, I know there's going to be a whole bunch of training now, but what I'm confused about is didn't you just master all of it or were those just the fundamentals? Now you got to start doing combinations or what's the difference between a second degree black belt and a first degree black belt? So the big difference, um, I think there's always a lot of mental growth. Um, and as far as the test goes, your physical requirements go up. Um, but then also you learn, you basically add weapons to your foundation, right? It's no different than we're sitting in the room with Pendola and he draws out your pyramid. Okay. Yep. So, um, you start at the bottom, you have all these fundamentals and then you're going into stronger kicks, maybe, you know, a double action kick, maybe a spinning back fist, maybe spinning elbows. Um, and then it, it goes more into practical application. So great example would be, um, your, your Krav Maga, your, basically your street self-defense. Um, you know, someone, instead of coming up and choking you and knowing how to defend that, um, now someone comes up to you with a knife and holds a knife to your throat, asks for your wallet. That's what you go over in second degree. So you're just kind of, you're building on top of it. So Krav Maga, Maga, uh, Krav Maga which I know through, I don't know it, I've never studied it, but Neil in the gym is, yeah. is a He's a stud in Krav Maga, right? Yep. It's one of the originators in this area. I think he helped bring it here. But um, I don't know the whole story, but man, I love that dude. He is so awesome. He's cool. Um, I come up with a gun or a, a weapon and I'm threatening your life in an alley. Krav Maga tells me that this is close encounter, um, defending the knife off and landing punches to make sure that that guy can't execute stabbing me with the knife or is the first thing get the knife out of the guy's hand or is it just a bunch of like you're trying to control his wrist what is what is Krav Maga so Krav Maga it's different than you know your Thai boxing stuff because Thai boxing I mean you're just in a good old fight that's what it is uh, Krav Maga is really defending yourself but also taking your opponent out and I mean eye gouges throat punches you know kicks to the front of the knee um, I mean, you're trying to get them down and have it so they can't get back up. And so is it six inches? What, how close am I to you to be able to be in a Krav Maga style of defense? I mean, arm's length. Arm's length. Yeah, sure. So are you breaking my arm in Krav Maga? Yeah, totally. You're choking me out in Krav Maga? Uh, I wouldn't go so much for choke. I would probably go for striking, striking the throat. Striking the throat, breaking yeah. a rib. Mm -hmm. Making it to where I can't breathe, scaring the living shit out of me and making me regret ever taking that knife out of the jaw tonight. That's about the, right, man. So Krav Maga is a defense of against weapons? Uh, it can be chokes, weapons. Um, they do a lot of scenarios where um, you're getting jumped, you know, by multiple, multiple attackers. I, I, I want to make sure that I understand this, though. Mm -hmm. So if I come at you with no weapon... Mm -hmm. Why, why would it be considered Krav Maga, the style that you're going to use on me instead of, instead of just kicking me to the shin? There's no kicks in Krav Maga? Uh, there's definitely kicks. There are sure. kicks. Yeah, but it'd be like a groin kick or you're kicking out the front of a knee where, you know, in boxing, Thai boxing, you're doing a Thai kick, you're kicking the legs, you're, it's, it's, it's different. Um, Krav Maga is the scenario when someone comes up to you and, you know, puts a, puts a hand on your throat and chokes you and slams you up against the wall. It's going to be different controlling the wrist, breaking the angles down, um, and then following up. And where was, do you, do you know the origins of Krav Maga? Israel. 
Israel. Yep. So the military over there, or is it, it was it a professional fighting deal? It was a discipline taught to the military, the law enforcement. I, like to me, that seems like the most badass form there could be. Like you just, dude comes up and thinks he can manhandle you. Then all of a sudden you throat punch him and he's on the ground freaking hoping that his larynx ain't broken, that his trachea is not tied in a knot or something. Like I'm, I'm picturing just like some bona fide badass, like 140 pounds, like Neil is little Neil, yeah. and I would not mess with that dude. Mm-hmm. Like he would smoke me just by, just by knowing what he can do. It just seems like. Is that kind of, is that your favorite? Like that, I'm like, I'm thinking that might be my favorite right now is to be a Krav Maga technician. And it sounds cool, but I know Brazilian jiu-jitsu is badass, but it seems to me like this Krav Maga is like, I don't even need to take you to the ground. I'm going to throat punch you right now. And you're not going to, you're never going to eat again. You're never going to swallow food again just for you being a dick and trying to stab me with a knife. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're spot on <laughs> Krav Maga is badass, man. Um, I look at it in a sense, like I'm, I need to survive right now. You're, you're, we're past like we're in a street fight. It's like, holy shit, I need to survive. Oh, that's a good way to put it. It's not like you squared off with this guy. Right. There was no squaring off. He came at you and took you from behind or, or snuck up on you and got that knife close to you or got his hand on your throat. And now it's like go time. Like it's either flight or fright, right? Like, or flight or fight. I'm ready to roll right now. And if you're going to think you're going to have this here, I'm going to pop your wrist up up off of my throat and at the same time i'm going to push my hand into your nose or something and break your face like i'm picturing like this just this badass technician of like you you just really picked the wrong dude to mess with man like that's like that seems to me like the number one thing somebody should get trained in if they're not going to get in an octagon if they're not going to get in a judo tournament or taekwondo tournament or go for their black belt to be a technician of krav maga seems like if i'm in downtown reno and i'm going to an aces ball game and i'm walking out of there after the game and somebody messes with me krav maga is what i want it seems like that would be fair to say yeah absolutely um especially I would say it's really strong in uh, females too. I mean, think about it. They, they're walking downtown, you're UNR people. Um, the old situation with uh, Brianna Dennison, you know, that sparked a lot of, a lot of self-defense classes and things in the area. And um, you know, the Krav Maga that I learned was actually based off of what Neil brought and taught. So. Really? Yeah. So do you sit down with Neil and go over like what do you ever like tie up with him and ask him your opinion on your technique or is it already known between you two? Like, I don't know if I've ever even asked Neil if he what level of black belt he is in Krav Maga. Is there is there multi levels of black belt in just Krav Maga? I don't know. I wonder what he see. He's so, I mean, I've eaten lunch with that dude 10 times and he always wants to talk about me and what I have going on. And I just sit there and go, man, I'm going to start asking from now on, I'm going to start asking Neil questions about him because he's threatened me to get me involved and like train me in Krav Maga. Like, Hey, let's get a little group together. Like he keeps threatening me. Like we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And I know he wants to, it's just a matter of like Gilbert and I want to get in there. Maybe you could be in there. But to me, like I'm sitting here going, I want to learn Krav Maga because I feel like if I was going to square off with somebody, I could at least hold my own for a little bit or at least maybe land that lucky punch or at least being, you know, strong enough core wise to keep my balance and not, you know, get ran over unless it was some, you know, like you or somebody. But if somebody's going to sneak up on me and mess with me or, or be a detriment to society or try to mess with my family or a threat. I'm thinking Krav Maga is like, I need to get into this. Like if I'm an 18 year old girl and I'm on campus and I know that there is always the, uh, the threat out there of some whack job, just like Brianna that happened around campus. God, that pisses me off to even think about that scenario. But 
I have an eight-year-old daughter. It seems like I'm thinking like Krav Maga is the answer to be able to defend yourself. But the other disciplines, I don't want to get away from like, it's so much more important because there's other aspects now of the other disciplines that we're talking about, the Taekwondo and the Thai boxing and the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, which are, those are the four that are your main. And you add on Krav Maga with that. Those are the four that are your, your black belts, your staples, the ones that you can pull out of your pocket at any given time and say, mess with me here, you're getting kicked. Mess with me here, you're getting throat punched. Mess with me on the ground, I'm choking you out, I'm arm barring you, you're gonna, you're gonna get hurt some way. So really fourth degree now is, you, you, your second degree is, fourth degree consists of four years from the beginning of training to testing for belt one, we went over that. Now tell me again, belt two comes, is it two full years later that you have the confidence to test? Or could you actually go, hey man, it's only been six months since I got my first degree. I feel like I'm ready for my second degree. Is that a, a, is that an option or is it no way? You got a guaranteed two years of training now or something. No, you got to put your time in, 100%. So uh, what they do is you do a preliminary test. Um, so and you have to get a certain amount of prelims is what we call them. So every three, three to four months, you, you just do a small test. It's like a small, you know, two hour test with a team and you go through your curriculum and you perform it. Um, you spar, you grapple, you, uh, work your self-defense, all that stuff. And so, um, you have to collect for an example, maybe up to, uh, you know, maybe six prelims before you're, you're good to go. And then you're eligible to test for your next level. So six prelims, explain a prelim. So again, a prelim would just be, um, uh, it's, it's a smaller test in preparation for the big test. So, um, and it's part of your curriculum. So let's say we add on a new form, right? So on this next prelim, we're going to learn, you know, you got to have this form down on the prelim after that. Maybe you have to have new tie boxing down and your guard game of jujitsu, you need to have, you know, eight submissions in your guard. So when you go into this prelim test, you, you're solo or is your group there? Or they know that that day in the, in the, in the studio is going to be a prelim for Zach Robo. He's going to come in and he's preliminary testing. He's got six of these coming up. This is the first of six prelims before he tests for his second degree. And who's managing this? Who's watching this? Who's documenting this? Who's keeping record of this? Is there a bookkeeper that's sitting there going, all right, Zach, just, or are you a hundred percent honest? And they know that you're, that it's an honor game because either you, either you're going to have it or you don't. If you skip one of these preliminaries, you're going to fail the final test. Or does somebody keep track that? Yes, Zach did complete his six preliminaries. So on the uniform, you, when you pass your prelim, you get a, it's a, it's a Chevron patch. And so basically that patch goes on the sleeve of your uniform. It's kind of like stars on my wristbands when I was a gymnast there back go. in the day. Is that how it works? That's kind of how it works. Okay. I mean, I wasn't a gymnast, but I saw kids <laughs> with wristbands. I should see. There's so many things in life that I wish I would have freaking did. And I heard people talk about this. I, I talked with a guy yesterday, business. Like, man, I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have done this. It's been four years. I'm sure, I, I knew about it back then. I should have done it. And like, man, I was an athlete. I wanted to play ball. I wanted to go to the major leagues. But now I look back and I'm like, man, I want to be a college wrestler. Man, I want to be an MMA guy. Man, I want to be able to do Krav Maga. I want to be able to do gymnastics. I'd love to be able to freaking do some of that shit that gymnasts do. The core strength, the balance, the execution, the, the pressure on you to be able to do floor exercises like that. And then you take all that shit like John Jones has done. And then you mix that with what you're talking about. And you're like, 
dude, I haven't achieved shit physically. I just stay in okay shape. But now, you know, like I hope that people out there are listening and go, man, this is something that I'm going to look back and go, man, I should have got involved in that. But it's not easy just to say it. We're talking hours and hours and hours of pain, of sweat, of of failure. We're talking, um, the mental capacity to be able to say, I just failed, but I'm going to go work for another six months and test again. That's hard as shit to do. Most people are like, dude, I just put everything I had in that. I can't do it anymore. And so that's what, where I'm getting at with mixed martial arts is like, I'm so blessed or thankful that at least I have the mental aptitude to say, you know what, I'm not going to fail at the things I do in life. I'm mentally strong enough and disciplined enough through my, you know, my sports and my athletic career, my competition career. It was all team sports. Mm -hmm. Now I'm looking at it like, man, how much more, how stronger would I be? If I would have studied Krav Maga, if I would have studied Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if I would have been a boxer like Joey Gilbert, or if I would have been a wrestler. I mean, I watched the NCAA championships last week in Pittsburgh, and I'm just like, dude, can you imagine being a three or four time NCAA champion at different weight divisions? I mean, these, these guys are studs. And so I'm going into that because in life, you have to have that. I don't care what you say to get through this life and manage it the right way and be successful and come out being a, an asset and providing, you have to have these disciplines we're talking about. So I'm looking at it like what you're learning this whole time. Yeah, you are a badass. And yeah, you're a bona fide kick somebody in the teeth, bad, you know, mother effort, but you don't need it for that. You have it. But I think the bigger picture now is what it's doing for your mental to, to be a man and to be an asset to our society and to our communities. And that's where I lack. I'm not saying I lack as being an asset. I lack in knowing like, I wonder what if I would have been a martial artist. I wonder what if I would have been a badass wrestler and then mixed it with martial arts and then mixed it with Krav Maga and then, and then mixed it with boxing. And, and then you're just sitting there going, dude, I got the mental aptitude to do anything. And that's what you're experiencing in life right now. You're taking another challenge in your life now to test your, not just your intellect and your intelligence and in, in, in training in the body and the science and everything that Matt Pandola has been putting hours and hours. And you look at a trainer like Matt and you're like, dude, I can go bench press. But then when you really break down who Matt is, you're like, oh my God, he knows a lot of shit. And that's why he does or makes me do the things that he makes me do because he knows it. Mm-hmm. And if you just shut your mouth and follow along, like you've done in mixed martial arts, here you are now 27, fourth degree black belt, getting ready to explode your career financially, professionally, everything that goes into it. And it's going to be easier for a guy like you to face failure, to face defeat, to face pressure, to face stress, to face fear, because dude, I, that ain't going to scare me. This dude had his knife in my throat and I broke his wrist in nine places and then whipped his ass and the ambulance is here. Like that's the mental attitude that that teaches you. Not that you've ever done that or need to do that. That's the, the, the background that you have now. That's what I'm getting out of it. And that's where I'm sitting here going, man, I wish I'd have done that shit. That's why it's intriguing to me. I don't watch MMA every day or, or, or UFC for the last 15 years religiously, just because I got to see somebody get their ass whipped. I got the utmost respect for these fighters because I've tried to roll with them. I've taken punches from them. I, I know how hard it is to even get in shape, to stay in a ring three, to even get your, your, your conditioning to go three minutes or a five minute round in the UFC. It's harder shit, right? Oh yeah. So tell me like, is that really the big picture uh, that you're getting out of martial arts? Because you're not whipping somebody's ass to make a living 
you're not getting in street fights at the local hangout or bar every night. You have it, but the bigger picture is what your your mental and your your psyche's doing, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think I think big picture wise, it's uh, taught me how to stay hungry and never settle. So you know, I get a goal in my head and I fail, I fail, I fail, and then I hit that goal, and then I create a new goal, and you fail, and you fail, and you fail. Failure is probably the best thing that can happen to you. I mean, it really can. That's what that's what a lot of martial arts has taught me. It, teaches me to understand it and take that failure as lessons. So you've been taught how to fail, but you didn't get an award for failing. You got an award for the adversity that that failure caused you overcoming that adversity. And to be a black belt is a champion mindset. You have to be a champion to be able to get the award of that belt. It ain't no slouch deal to get that belt handed to you and put it around your gi. Right. So the participation award and all that mindset is not a martial art deal. You, you can go in there and you can participate and you can get something out of it. Just like you can in anything. You can go through the motions in basketball or baseball or hockey or, or business or being a landscaper. But the guys that step out of that realm of just going through the motions and participating and have that champion mindset to get that black belt on their gi to go through that four years of training and then all the supplementals and all of the different testing that it takes – that's the champion mindset that you have. So now you're applying that and you're saying, I don't need, there's no such thing as a participation award. I could have easily just came to class and went home and, and, and took a shower and got, you know, went to bed, but I took it to the next level. I am a fourth degree black belt. That's a champion mindset. That's not a participation award. Not everybody that you started with at six years old can sit across the table for me and say, yes, I'm now 27 and I'm fourth degree black belt doesn't happen that way. I would gather to say, I would venture to say that, I don't know, I, it's probably ignorant to put a number on, but I bet you it's upwards of 80 to 90% of people or kids that join MMA or, you know, mixed martial arts or martial arts classes don't become a black belt. I would think that the, the ratio or the odds of getting a black belt, maybe the odds are high that you can, it can happen, but are the results there? Do, does everybody that starts become a black belt? You know, I think in, in this discipline, it really set people up for success. And I mean, yeah, they definitely hit those failures. We're like, okay, we got to hold you back for another month on your belt test for this one. Um, but, but they're, but I would say a majority get their first degree black belt. I mean, that's the goal they have in mind. They're committing to that four year, like I'm going to get my black belt and I'm going to work my ass off for it, you know? Um, and I think as after that first degree, black belt is kind of where you see people fall off the map a little bit, or they move on to a different, different discipline, different art. Maybe they want to really purely dive into Brazilian jiu-jitsu because, you know, in the martial arts portion, okay, they have their black belt, you know, but um, it's all these different arts, right? Combined into one, it's, it's mixed martial arts. So, I mean, at CMA, we offer a purely only Brazilian jiu-jitsu um, curriculum and maybe they just want to dive into that. They really like the taste of it in MMA and they want to get really good at that. And so they'll switch over. So it can kind of go that direction a lot of the time. To make sure I understand, you're saying that most six-year-old kids that sign up for mixed martial arts, or I mean martial arts, become a black belt? There's no freaking way. I'm going to argue that. There's just no way that if I go to every studio in this town that's full of six to eight-year-old kids... That, that, that you're going to tell me that they're going to stay with it to become a black belt within the next five years. 
I would say over 50%. Over 50%, really. Yeah. I can't argue. You know way more about than I do, but that blows yeah. my mind. I would think it'd be like 5%. To go through a four-year training regimen where you're spending four or five days in, first of all, how in the freak does a six-year-old kid go to the gym six days a week? How does that happen? That I don't know, man. How did you do it? How do you stay into mixed martial arts when you're six years old? How do you go to the gym that often? Are you getting dropped off there after school? Is it an after school program? Is it through the Boys and Girls Club? Is your dad picking you up and he's going to class with you because it was a family thing? Like, you must have had very special parents to be able to keep you in a gym that long and that discipline because from the age of six to 11 when you got your first degree black belt was one year of fundamentals and then four years of training for a black belt. Like that's a lot of gym time, right? Yeah. I mean, my parents went above and beyond, no doubt about it. Um, it was when I was uh, big enough to go into the adult class and I got the shit kicked out of me when I switched to the adult class. Which, what age was this when you go to the adult class? Um, so just cause my size and then, uh, my dad was in it too. So I could do it with him. Um, I was probably, I would say I was probably 10 years old, 11 years old. And you're in adult classes. In the adult class. Yeah. So now you might have a guy that's 30 years old in this adult class and you're 10 or 11 and you're going to go, you're going to go be, you're going to do the same things that these guys are doing in this adult class. Uh, I try. You're going to try, <laughs> but you obviously got to have some sense of it right. for them to even keep you up there. They're not going to bring you up there to waste somebody's time. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like my nephew. He's eight years old. They won't let him play baseball against eight and 10 years old. He says, they told him this year, you got to play the 12 year olds. He's eight. I'm like, well, that's cool in one sense, but they're not going to bring him up there to waste his time. They're bringing him up there because he's too good to play against the competition down at that level. But what if he goes up there and he gets smoked every day and fails every day? That's a mental mindset. Is he mentally tough enough to take that? Um, there's a lot of different ways to look at that. So now you're 10 or 11 years old. You get moved into the adult class. Do you automatically excel? Because now you're, you're, you're about to become a, a first degree black belt when you get into this adult class. Like, do you automatically excel with the adults to where all of them are like, man, Zach's got it going on? Or is it not like that in martial arts? Is it everybody just keep to themselves and they cheer, they respect you or do they cheer you on or how is, do they build confidence in you when you're 10 or 11 or do they just know that you're a bona fide badass at that age already? No, man, it's a, it's a community. So, uh, it, it truly, truly is a community. So we all cheer each other on, um, support one another, help each other out. Um, you know, they, they obviously, they were awesome to me. They're a really good group. Um, and I would say as much of an individual sport as it is, it's also uh, big time team sport because you're, you're moving up through the ranks for years and years and years with these same people. So second degree black belt is completed. You go through your disciplines, mm -hmm. you get a second degree black belt. Now, is that just a, a line that they put on a belt? And now when somebody sees you in the studio, the belt that you wear, do you wear a gi every day when you train? Yes. Top and bottom. Um, no, summertime, I'll do a t-shirt bottom. But you always have the belt on when you achieve a black belt. Yep. You like, so when I walk into the studio and I look over at Zach Robo and I look at you, how do I know your second degree? So, um, you have your black belt has your name on it. And then on the other side, um, it'll have stripes. So one for your first degree, two stripes for your what color degree. are the stripes? Um, so if you were not an instructor, they were yellow. And then if you were an instructor, they were red. So you weren't an instructor. So you, oh, you were an instructor. Yeah. So you had two yellow stripes now on your belt. So you have a black belt tied around your gi mm -hmm. and on the back of it, on the front of it, you see Zach and on the back of it, you see two yellow stripes. And that tells me that dude's second degree black belt. Yeah. Except it's uh 
it's it's two hanging pieces. So you have your belt around, and then you have the the two tails, and then one tail has the has your name. One tail has the stripes. Oh, so one the tails. So it's on the tails. Yep. So are you are you is it mandatory now that you have to wear this every time you're in the studio? Do you do you have to let everybody know that comes in there? Not that you have to let them know or want to let them know, but is it is it customary for a martial artist to to make sure that everybody understands his disciplines have been met and that's why he's doing the things he's doing? Is that what those stripes are for? I would say a, a little bit of that. I mean, I think we had a little more a um, little more casual of a studio, but I mean, when you start a class, you line up rank and order. So I mean, you know, you're third degree, fourth degrees there at the end, then you slowly work your way down through the belt. So that's kind of where that rank comes in. Okay. So now it's time to go for my third degree is that I assume that's just a couple months because you, you can't get much more qualified now, or is the level of third degree black belt from second degree, just as much as second degree from first. Is it another two year deal? It was a three year deal. Three years now to get yeah. it. So now, so now you got four years in the first one, two years for a total of six. And so now you have to go three years guaranteed to even test for a third degree black belt. You got it. Okay. So now what happens now? You, 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 you get it. You have these six preliminaries again. Well, I'm excuse. Sorry, but what were they called again? Yeah. The, prelims. So they're prelims. So now is that is, so when do those start whenever you're ready within that three year period? Yeah. As long as you train for about three months and then they happen every three months. So. That's when they start kicking in again. And what was what would be a second to third degree preliminary is give me like now are you mixing you're compounding it again and you're even mixing more disciplines? Yeah, absolutely. So you keep compounding it, you build off that foundation. So we'll stick with the uh, with the Krav Maga example. Um, you know, your your first degree, you're learning how to defend yourself against chokes. Um, you know. Uh, the guillotines, people coming up from behind you and choking you. Then your second degree, you move into a lot more uh, knife self-defense. You know, someone is going to stab you, someone holds a knife to your throat. And then um, for that third degree level, you know, we really go into uh, more gun defense. So someone comes up, points a gun, point blank at your chest. And what's this going to be called? What, are, what discipline am I now in my mindset? Is this Krav Maga again? You got it. Yep. So, that Krav Maga. so is this one of those deals to where you take the barrel apart and I don't even have a gun in my hand anymore? Or is this just to dismount the, get the gun out of my hand now? Yeah. It's more, um, controlling the gun with a little bit of joint manipulation with that. Now this is, now this is already put an exclamation point on now. Krav Maga is the freaking badass freaking deal now. Yeah. So now this is why <laughs> Neil doesn't talk about it to me because he doesn't want me to know how bad of an ass he really is, <laughs> how much of a badass he really is. Like, so now you're going from second degree to third degree in this discipline that you that you are which again i want to make sure that we keep everybody enlightened that the first degree black belt was more of taekwondo and then when you started to go for your second your third and your fourth degree which your fourth degree now at 27 years old you were thai boxing krav maga and brazilian jiu-jitsu so right now I haven't heard much talk. I want to talk about the jujitsu part of it, but this going for the third degree is gun. Now I'm coming at you with a gun. That's got a, that's got a magazine or a clip full of bullets. It's a nine millimeter. It's a 40, it's a 45, it's a 308, it's a 38, whatever it is. You're in an alley, you're walking. This guy doesn't think that you have what it takes to defend him off. He's not shooting you from long distance. He's probably going to threaten you because he doesn't want to shoot you, but he wants to take your wallet, but he does have a loaded gun. Now my mindset goes, wait a minute, I got to get this gun into a position to where even if I screw up or I push his finger into that trigger or he 
he's strong enough to still squeeze one off when he sees that I'm strong, I got to get that barrel in a position that that bullet's not going to even graze me. It's not going to put anybody's life in fear. I'm going to get it pointed in a direction that everybody's in safe, in safe manner of that barrel being pointed, right? Is that the, is that the right mindset? Yeah, absolutely. You want to move your, yourself away from that gun, obviously, um, control the gun and also throw in, throw in a strike. So for, for an example, I move to the inside, push the gun to the outside and hit the guy in the throat with my other hand. Now, why the throat? Because you don't want him to breathe or why not the eye? Why not the nose? You hit me in the nose. My eyes start watering. I want to drop that gun and go home to mommy and cry. My eyes, you know, like it's my, it's, my nose is bleeding. It freaking tears me up. Why the throat? Is it, is it, is that part of the discipline that you throw? That's like, that would seems like you could kill somebody with that. Yeah. Totally. Are you trying to kill him? Uh, if you point a gun at me, absolutely. So that throat punch right there. So when you throat punch me with the knife, is it still the same throat punch with the gun or is there different levels of that throat punch or it, whether it's a knife or a gun, you're still getting smoked. Yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to hit you in the throat. I don't so, know why. I just, I'm so a is that you, punch. is that you or is that something that Krav Maga teaches aim for the throat? Um, so you have, uh, uh, soft points on the body. So eyes, nose, throat, solar plex, groin. Um, I like to personally throw in the knee. Because I don't care how big you are, you snap a knee. I mean, they're gonna drop like a sack of rocks. So you're you're gonna front kick that knee to try to take, you know, to try to fr fracture their knee or try to dislocate their knee or try to tear their tendon or something's gonna happen to that knee to where they're in so much pain they can't put any weight on that leg. Right. And it all depends the range that you're at. You know, if you're in that the power zone for that technique to work. Right. Um, a lot of times when you're getting into these. Um, when you're getting into these uh, like knife and gun situations, you're a lot more uh, close quarter combat. One thing that we're not talking about, mm -hmm. and I want you to talk about this in, in length, is not only are you in a fight, not only are you thinking about a throat punch or a wrist lock or pushing that gun or that knife into a safe manner to where it has less of a chance to harm you or anybody in the surrounding area, we haven't even talked about the fear factor. Mm -hmm. This is no laughing matter. My life is in freaking jeopardy right now. You've had the audacity to pull a gun at me and be a freaking piece of shit to society and a thug. I'm there's fear in me. There's gotta be, if you're not scared, you're not human. There's gotta be that sense of like, Holy shit. Even though I am a badass, I'm ready for this, but I'm still a little scared. I got to make sure that I make the right moves. I mean, I'm, this is what this discipline has taught me, or does that discipline teach you that there's no fear you're ready for that? Or are you automatically naturally instinctively going to be scared if somebody puts a gun to you? Yeah, I think so a hundred percent. I mean, we don't get rid of fear. I, I really don't think we get rid of fear. Um, I've trained a long time. I've been put in situations before and there's, there's always fear, right? Um, and with that being said, I think we really train our automatic nervous system where saying by saying that our muscle memory. And so we train this so many times. I mean, thousands upon thousands of repetitions of these movements, um, of different situations, different, our most common knife strikes our most, you know, where people point a gun, um, you know, what kind of, what kind of chokes are thrown on people the most. Um, and so we just train and train and train. And so when you get in those situations, you know, you want to, you go into that fight or flight response, right. And you know, you can't outrun a bullet. It's just not going to work. Um, and so you're, you're there, you're stuck, you're fight, you fight. And so at this point, I mean, you just, you have to, you have to go, you have to fight at this point. 
Um, and so that's when we want these natural instinctive now movements to kick in where once that knife, you see that knife come swinging at you, you already, you already have a hand up getting ready to, to grab the wrist, control the wrist. You're already putting yourself in position because we've drilled it and drilled it and drilled it. Now it's time to go. All right. So I didn't even have these knives here to talk about this today. I just, I, I love all these knives. Yeah, those are badass. So yeah, I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some parting gifts, Robo. This knife right here, I have in my hand and we'll put a video up on this life ain't for everybody web uh, website. If, and I'm just asking questions here because I, I, you know, hopefully none of us are ever in a position to face this, but it happens every day in America. Absolutely. You never know when it's going to be your turn to get taken advantage of or become a, you know, a victim of a violent crime. This knife is sharp. This knife is meant this knife was built for a reason. And the reason wasn't for me to take it out and try to stab you or threaten you to take your money that you worked so hard to earn. Mm -hmm. If I come at you with this knife with it in my hand like this, do you automatically look at me and laugh because I'm an idiot for holding the knife like this? Because to me, I can't, this seems to me like, yes, I could get you, but I, it seems like I'm vulnerable in this. Like if I was to turn it like this and I have it in a fighting position, like if I was going to get in a knife fight, I would think that I would want to throw a knife like I'm throwing a punch. Or do most people not know that and they come at you like this and it doesn't matter? Or do you look at somebody that has it like this and go, oh, these guys understand that how to throw a knife or they, they've been in a knife fight before? Does that go through your mind too? Or am I easier to dismantle like this? Or do you take different precautionary measurements if you see somebody coming at you like this? Or is it always just right up in you with the point of it in you? And you never know what's going to happen. But to me, I would think like if I got my fist clenched in a punching form and that handle is in there and the blade is, if you're a lefty, it's pointed out the left side of my hand. That looks like I know how to knife fight to me. Mm -hmm. Is that what goes off in the Krav Maga mind? Hey, I got to get this guy. He knows what he's doing. Or if I'm holding it like this, you automatically know that, that um, you're going to be able to get that knife out of my hand. Is there, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when you're holding the blade, you know, where it's not, where it's not on your forearm at all, um, and it's just pointing straight up and down, you know, there's, there's definitely, I mean, it's a knife, it's a blade. It can still cut you. It can still, you know, do some serious damage. Um, but it is a lot easier to defend, in my opinion, in that manner. Um, you know, you can see everything you you have full access to the wrist. So, um, in, in that regard, it's, it's, it's easier to defend. It's all about the wrist control, right? That's where the weapon is. Um, the other way. So the blade, the blade is closer to the forearm. Um, the blade is blocking that grip on the wrist a lot of the time, if you want to grab under, but also, Oh yeah. Because if you go for my wrist, you have a chance of scraping your hand and cutting your hand now on that blade. Right. And that's fine. I mean, that might be part of a knife fight is getting your hand cut. Yeah, which sucks. Which sucks. I mean, but hey. No, yeah, it, it sucks. Getting cut by a knife, just cutting steaks sucks. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, a paper cut sucks, dude. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> but this one, it has, um, when, you, when you hold the blade like this, it has a lot more flow when you're striking. So you can get in close counter. Uh, for one, you can conceal the knife a little bit better. Two, um, you can get in a little more close quarter. It's less obvious for the strike. And three, it flows. So I can come across and hit arteries. I can come up and cut the, uh, a vein and artery, yeah, a tendon, artery, anything. And then go back to the carotid. Like it just flows one, two. Um, those are the things I think of when I see someone holding a knife like that, they can come across. So I, so I was, I was right in my analogy of 
this is never safe. You, you're still got to use your technique, but this is telling me like, okay, I'm, I'm re- I, obviously uh, as a martial artist, you're going to have that mindset and you're ready to go if it happens. But this is telling me like, all right, this dude's got some, he might know how to throw a punch. I got to really watch this guy because a lot of people don't hold a knife like this. This is not a natural way to hold a knife unless you're a knife fighter. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, when I, when I started talking to Neil, I'm like, this dude can take a knife out of my hand and throat punch me in the same motion and make me, you know, drop the knife, knock all the wind out of me, make it to where I feel like my head's being chopped off with a throat punch. And Krav Maga is teaching me now from the second degree to the third degree. Now I have a gun coming at you with finger on the trigger that is way more dangerous than a knife. Not that a knife's not dangerous, but that gun can, that gun can do a lot of damage. If that, obviously we understand the the power of a bullet going into your body. But the reason a gun is so much danger is because it seems to me like if you get my wrist, like if me and you were just messing around and I get your wrist and I don't know what I'm doing, you can still maneuver that gun to get that barrel in some kind of position or tap off that, you know, touch off that trigger. A knife, yeah, you can watch that blade and you got to make sure that you can control that wrist and get the blade out of there. A gun can go off during that time though. Mm -hmm. So you got to have your timing now. Where I'm going with this is you got to have your timing now. Like, dude, this gun can go off at any time. I got to make sure that that barrel's never pointed at me. If it's pointed back at him, fine. Because he's a dipshit that needs to be shot for attacking me with a gun. But now I got to make sure that my timing's on because if I make one mistake, if I let my training down for one second, let that discipline, let my focus go for one second, and that barrel gets in a position that it's pointed even at my ear, I have a chance of dying like that. I'm in the ER, right? The timing now that I'm looking at is like, dude, now the fear factor set and this dude's got a load of gun. Boom, boom. I'm watching his hands and I'm just picturing you like just choo, 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 like close kin counting. I mean, is that what it is to where it's just like his wrist goes here, but you block this hand. Now he's got his gun in this hand and you got to, you're holding the gun up. But now what's his other hand doing? He's trying to punch you with that, but you're punching him at the same time. Krav Maga teaches you that that hand goes up, his throat's punched right at the same time. Just bop. Is yeah. that so it's all about making sure that that barrel is in a safe position just like that knife blade but again that barrel it's timing now if that thing goes off at any given time when i'm wrestling that gun in his hand and his fingers on that trigger i'm taking a chance of that bullet ricocheting i'm taking a chance of that bullet going through my head whatever that's scary shit yeah absolutely i mean that's and it's super debatable between knives and guns um you know obviously outside a knife range and a gun range it's it's a lot different in the distance, but, um, you know, close quarter knife. I mean, that's, that's scary shit, man. I mean, that blade can go everywhere. That blade can start messing around, you know, around your, around your wrist, on your forearm, hit a lot of arteries right there. See, that's a good point. So that blade's scary shit too. I mean, obviously it's all scary. I think, yeah, for, for me personally, just, just thinking about it, you'd rather me have a gun. I think I'd rather you have a gun. As long as I'm not 10 feet from you, I can smoke you with that gun at 10 feet, but that says that has nothing to do with that. This is a gun attack up in your dish, trying to scare you to take your wallet. If a guy comes at you with a gun and he gets that close to you and he says, give me your wallet. He don't really want to shoot you. If he wanted to shoot you, he'd have shot you 10 feet ago and just took your wallet and left. That's that, that would be my mindset. If I'm really a thug and I'm I'm out for murder and I don't care about what could happen in the courts of America, which some of that shit's a totally different su- subject to talk about sure. subject matter. But if I want to kill you, I'm going to shoot you from 10 feet, run up, grab your wallet and then take off. This is more of a discipline that's, hey, this gun is being used to threaten me to try to get me to do something 
but it's still a threat because it's loaded. He just didn't want to shoot me. He's just using it as a threat. I got a gun. You better give me your money or I'm going to shoot you. Oh, really? You are? Boom, 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 boom. And then the gun's smoked. I picture you like pulling the barrel off matrix style, freaking unloading the gun and doing all this quick shit with your hands. And really that's what you're doing in a certain way. You're dismantling that guy. You're taking a weapon that could literally smoke you in a heartbeat and you're making it like the weapon didn't even exist. That's what Krav Maga is. It's like focus, focus, discipline. There's the weapon. The weapon's gone. Yeah. You prioritize the threats. Prioritize. Oh, that's okay. Perfect. So now we're onto something. You prioritize the threats. What's the first threat now? Gun. Yep. Then what? Him. Now he's big. He still might be able to lay me out with a punch if I let him get his body weight on me. Now this is where that knee kick comes in. That's where that throat punch comes in. So Krav Maga, let's not let it be forgotten. It's not just defense uh, as far as like getting the gun or the knife out of it and then, you know, shaking the guy's hand and pushing him up against the wall until the cops get there. You're going to F this dude up for doing what he did because you don't want to give him a chance to pick the gun up. You don't want him a chance to reach in his pocket and get another knife or another gun. You never know what the hell's going on. If they got right. the balls to pull, to pull a gun out, you never know what their mind, their mental psyche is going to do next. Right? Yeah. No, you prioritize that threat. You, you take the gun, then you address the person that's holding the gun. And you kick the living shit out of them, essentially. Yeah, you're spot on. You want them on the ground and you don't want them getting back up, you know, getting a friggin' knife from their ankle or a gun from their ankle if they're cool like that. And So here's the question. Okay. If they're cool like that, let's say that the gun was the only thing they had on them. Mm-hmm. It's not your responsibility to pat them down and find out. That's what law enforcement's going to do if it comes to that. The, the mental part, the discipline part of martial arts... You did your part. Mm-hmm. You got the gun away from him. You smoked him and he's down. He's bleeding. He's, he's fighting for air. Does the martial arts say now I got to go into respect mode and save this dude's life? Or do I just beat the living piss out of him until somebody pulls me off? To me, I'm thinking like a street fight. You might see somebody on there just beating him into submission and he deserves to have that. But does martial arts teach you something different? Like, hey, enough is enough. There's a line drawn. You got the gun. You've, you've, you've secured safety. You're not, he's not a threat anymore. He's hurting. You hurt him with a throat punch or a knee kick or whatever. He's down crying to mama now. Or do you keep whipping his ass to teach him a lesson? Or does the discipline of martial arts say that's not, that's not kosher? Right. Um, so martial arts, I think it gives you a sense of presence, being able to be aware under high stress situations. Um, and I think that's uh, really relevant in this situation where, you know, you disarmed him. He had a gun. You took him down. Um, he's not getting up. He's, he's bleeding. You create distance between the guy in the gun and also the guy in yourself. So what I would probably recommend is you call 911 right after that, after you've separated, got some distance between you and the guy, and then you hold them at gunpoint and say, tell him don't move. With his gun. With his gun, yeah. God, how embarrassing. Yeah, that'd be a rough one, huh? <laughs> what, a, what a day. Yeah. I, I got a gun, I'm gonna go get some money, and then all of a sudden you're freaking in an ambulance with your gun shoved up your ass with no clip in it. <laughs> I love it. Like, like you, it's, it's, it's not a laughing matter because it happens and it's so cool. I think it's, it would got to be the coolest mindset to have that skill set of being able to do that. My mom was a nurse. She's a nurse practitioner now. I remember the days of 
graveyard shifts, walking out in that parking garage alone, walking on them. I was always worried about her. She was in a different part of the town. You never know what's going to happen. Somebody like studies her movements or her daily routine or her nightly routine. They know that she's by herself at this time. And you're thinking like that shit is going through people's mind to take advantage of her, to rape her, to beat her, to steal from her, to steal her car, to carjack her, whatever it is. And having this skill set in my pocket is like, I think every woman, every man should be trained in some kind of discipline to, to give themselves some kind of defense or ability to fend off some of these, I, I call them thugs. They're not all thugs. Some of them are just pieces of uh, thugs, whatever, but it happens. So now you, you, you sit there and you go, all right, now I just got my second degree. I'm testing for my third degree, which is compounded with now gunfights and gun threats are the testing so much different to defend the gun away? Or have you already mastered that through your second degree when you fought the knife away? Is the third degree three years? Why three years? Why is there an extra 365 days added onto this? Is it something that they just set forth? Like, dude, if we're going to have black belts, we're going to make it hard to get. It's going to take total discipline and commitment. Or is that third year like, wow, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this. I don't know if my intellect's there to be able to study these movements. Was it really difficult to get the third degree or did it just come natural? Uh, it just came natural. I think at that point I was really, I was really wanted to go into uh, cage fighting you know, really hit the UFC, wanted to be in king of the cage, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, and so that's when I really took off and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be training really hard now, you know? And, and, uh, and part of the third degree was, was just that. Um, and so I don't really know why they add on the, the additional 365 days. Um, you know, all the, all the curriculum is probably learned by that point, um, or prior to that point. And, um, but I also think it just gives you, you need to have a different mindset. You need to be, have a stronger mindset. Um, and I think that takes time. Meaning that they're seeing if they, they're using that extra time to see if they can break you. If, if Zach Robo really wants his third degree, he's going to, he's going to put in the time he's going to put it. His mental stability has to be this. It has to be. God, man, this is, it's been two more years. I still got a whole other year to go. That's a, in, in reality, a year is not a long time, but when you're training four or five days a week and you're getting your ass kicked in there every day and you're putting your body through that, the, the mental part of it, it has to be that it has to be like, man, we're teaching this guy that dude shit in life doesn't come easy. Right. The people that invented these disciplines, the people that mastered them, the ones that came up with them, I don't even know what, who they were, or what they were. I don't know enough about martial arts history, but I damn sure wish I did because think about the, the outlook of this, the odds of you getting attacked. I don't know. I'm, I'm in my forties and I've never been attacked. Mm -hmm. God, hopefully I never do, but I'm thinking the bigger picture was this is about life. This is about like, if everybody had this mindset of, third, the third year on there of the third degree black belt in the Krav Maga and defending the, the, that gun might be a divorce. That gun might be getting fired from a job. That gun might be something, some kind of adversity in your life that you're going to mentally have a, have to deal with. And maybe those guys that taught, taught martial arts had a bigger picture. They had a bigger scheme of like, this is more than just defending yourself in a knife fight because yeah, you're going to have that skill set. 
Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it's a lifestyle. But the but the idea, the uh, the odds of you getting attacked might not be that high. You are going to be able to defend yourself if you are. Mm-hmm. But the odds of you facing adversity in life are very high. Yeah. Life is a bitch. I don't care what anybody says. It, no matter how good somebody's life looks, don't ever believe it. Don't ever think that you're going to look at Instagram and all these pretty girls and this guy with tan skin and abs and they're always so freaking happy because nobody wants to look at sadness. Nobody wants to look at shame. Nobody wants to look at regret. Nobody wants to look at any of that adversity that comes with life. That's why social media is kind of just like a fake. I'm not saying it's not real, but it's definitely not the real real. It's definitely not all of it. So life is going to throw these curveballs at you, these road bumps. It's going to put things in your way that it's going to make you have to adjust, adapt, throat punch, kick, knee kick, take the gun out of somebody's hand. It's going to face you with those kind of dilemmas in life to where you, you, you got to figure out a way to get through them. You can't just lay on the couch and sulk. And I'm not trying to take the physicality out of martial arts because I know how important it is and how beautiful it is and the whole culture of it. But I think it's a mindset. I'm looking at this as like, if I'm going to train and be 11 years into this fourth, you know, I was six and now I'm 27. So that's more than that. That's 21 years and I'm fourth degree black belt. That's a mindset, man. That's a lifestyle of I'm going to be prepared for anything that comes my way. It's not a participation award. I'm ready. You fuck with me, I'm going to smoke you. (laughs) If life comes at me, I'm going to smoke it. Nothing's going to beat me. And you you start thinking about weaknesses in the brain or mental disorders or depression or stuff, anxiety or bipolarism or these things that people get in their mind and they got to take meds for. I just wonder if this mindset of a martial artist would teach people like, dude, you don't need, you're not going to get to that point. You might have somebody die. When my dad died, I could have been like, oh my God, you were, you are like that for a minute. But then I'm like, my dad would, my dad would beat the living piss out of me if I stayed down and let this affect me the rest of my life. I'm now the leader of the clan. I'm ready. I'm the, I'm the the leader now. I got to take care of my mom. I got to make sure that she's the property's taken care of. I got my brother still. I got, we we still got a family here, right? Mm -hmm. You can't go in a hole. Martial arts is bigger than kicking me. That's, that's what I'm getting out of this. And that's why I think it's so important and why I'm so regretful for not taking it. I could have been better than I am through martial arts. I could have been better than I am. And I'm not saying that I'm good. I'm not saying that I'm the best. I'm saying that I could have been better than I am because of martial arts. It's a mindset. You have it. You're very quiet about it. I think you're reserved about it because that's what it teaches you. I'm just going to get it done. Life is life. A fight's a fight. I'm just going to get it done. It's here. It presents itself. I'm ready. I'm focused. I'm trained for this. I'm disciplined for this. It's, it's bigger than the fight. It's bigger than the kick. And I think that if people look at it that way, there's no reason why not to get into it. Right. There's just no reason. Yeah. No. And, and you nailed it, man. I think a sport like this, it's, I mean, it's got to be 70% mindset, 30% physicality, right? We can always do the physical stuff. We can always, that's just, that's just showing up. But then that mindset translates into, you name it, name it in life, divorce, uh, losing your job. Exactly. Um, getting injured, you know, uh, being out for six months. I mean, I left martial arts after my third degree for a couple of years. Um, went to go, went to go do uh, wildland firefighting, dug it. And then, uh, you know, had some, had some concussions, followed with some seizures, firefighting's done, right? I went back to martial arts and kept training, 
and kept training and kept training. Um, you know, had to find work again and figured out. But I think because, because I had that experience, because I had all this martial arts behind me and this, I guess I'd call it grit, you know, where I'm not going to fail. Oh, I, I love that freaking word. It's the best, man. Yeah. It doesn't get better. Um, I'm going to succeed, you know, and it told me not to give up. You know, there's always going to be times when, you know, when shit sets you down, when, okay, take that, be pissed for a couple of days, be sad, whatever you got to do, but then you got to, you got to get up and go. Isn't that the truth though? Like it's, it's so bewildering that people can't get that. Mm -hmm. Nobody gives a shit. You can't stay down. Life isn't going to come to you and go, Hey, sorry about yesterday. I'm going to make today a whole lot better. No, dude, you've heard the terms when it rains, it pours. I mean, you in life, and I'm not saying that life is bad. Life is amazing. We're so blessed. I want to live until I'm 200 freaking years old. I hope science by the time I'm in my seventies or eighties, that the, that the, the lifespan, the, the average lifespan of a male is in his nineties. I want to live. I mean, I, I talk about it all the time. I went and visited the guy that acted as my grandpa, a black man from Oklahoma, Cecil Washington is my grandpa, because when my grandpa died, uh, my dad's dad died, he took over as our grandpa and he raised us with my dad. We went to see him, he's 93. He fell down the other day, he's in the hospital. He's in the hospital yesterday. We went up, he was sleeping, we petted him. We, you know, we're petting his arm and stroking his arm, just, you know, like making sure that he knew we were there. And then my mom was there with us and she, She's like a daughter to him. And while I'm petting Cecil's arm and my little nephew Ch Ch Chase is petting his arm, my brother Clay whispers in his ear, says, hey, we're here. And then my mom leans over and goes, hey, Chad and Claire are here. And his eyes open and he smiles. Boom. And he was in deep sleep. Boom. <laughs> and he wakes up 93 years old, starts telling his stories. He's got his wit, got his memory. And I'm like, man, that's, I want to be that. That guy came out here from Oklahoma. He left at 12 years old on a train and went from Oklahoma City to Oakland, California and settled in Richmond, California and started and got started living on the streets and then got qualified to become a union plumber and got educated, then got married, then had kids and then moved to Nevada and got jobs. And now he's 93 years old and he's got all these kids that aren't even the same color as him. We're all white. And we're in his hospital room and he's our grandpa. And I'm like, that's what life's all about. Like, that's badass. I want to live until I'm 93 because look at him. He's still laughing. He's still talking. He's still here. Yeah, he fell down. He broke a hip. He did this. He don't give a shit. He's going to recuperate. He's going to go to rehab and he's going to be right back having, having us bring out logs there for the winter to keep his house warm. That's life. That's cool. It's cool. It's badass. Yeah. And I don't share that with a lot of people. I don't go into his hospital room. I don't, there's something about social media, that part of it. When I see social media, when somebody's grandparents are in that ill way or something's going on and they share it, I'm just like, man, some things are personal. There's some things that I don't, I mean, in that maybe I'm freaking being a hypocrite because I hear I am talking about it, but I'm not talking about it like, Hey, I'm in a hospital room in my, in my Instagram story. And I, you know, my, here's Cecil. And he, I don't want to do that. Like that was a really intimate part of my life to where I don't want to share that with anybody. I'm telling you this because he's 93 and he's still kicking ass. So to hear the averages that anything can happen, there's a lot of things in life that can come that way. Cecil lost his wife, Mildred, in 1989. It tore his world apart. Mm -hmm. And he kept going and kept going and just kept making us laugh and kept building and kept working and kept being our grandpa. And now here I am in my 40s and he's 93 and I'm looking at him like, God dang, the life lessons that this man has taught me. 
my dad was 54 when he died. Cecil and my dad were best friends. It messed Cecil up again bad when my, as much as it did me, he still hasn't recovered from it a hundred percent. But that discipline of life and knowing that you can't just walk through it and go through the motions and participate. Cecil said, I'm going to take it by the, I'm going to be in these kids life. I'm going to be part of their life. And now here we are taking care of him when he's 93 and my brothers and me, they get a, a lot more time with him with my travel schedule. But when I saw him yesterday, I'm like, that son of a bitch is so resilient. Nothing can stop this dude. He goes, I'll be back. I'll be back. Don't worry, Hoss. Don't worry. Well, his oxygen was 80 when he got in there. That was the only thing wrong with him when he got in there, his oxygen levels. Okay. They got him up and I'm sitting there going, dude, nothing wrong with him. No, no, no heart problems. Nothing. 93 years old. Uh, the reason I'm telling you that is that adversity has struck Cecil tons of times. Seeing him in that position struck me yesterday. I almost have the mindset. I'm so weak mentally in that position in life that I don't know how my mom is a nurse practitioner. I don't know how EMTs do what they do. When I see somebody in harm's way or hurt, not harm's way, I like to, I, I would like to think I would defend somebody. I will. But when I see somebody hurt and those EMTs see what they see and my mom sees what she sees and those nurses were seeing what they saw with Cecil, I almost don't even like to go in the hospital room because I don't like to see him in that position. Right. It's a weird mindset for me. I want to be there for him and I'm going to be, but I'm almost like, and I think that that adversity in life is what martial arts gets you prepared for. It's what competition gets you prepared for. It's what good parenting and discipline gets you prepared for. Everybody says that the pro I had Scott Shaleen talking about kids are the same today that they always, that you were. And then I was, I'm older than you and you're older than guys that are 10 years younger than you. You never, you, you can't control when you're born, mm -hmm. but he says kids are still the same. It's the parents that are messing everything up. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> and, it's just, and I'm sitting there listening to him talking. I'm like, damn, you're right. We're all, you're born. You're just born. It's the, it's the parenting. And it's so important. It's, you can't go through the motions and that shit. So martial arts, I keep saying mixed martial arts. We're talking about martial arts. We can, and we're talking about mixing them. We, I get it. And, and MMA has gotten like this deal of this competitive fighting, but I think it gets you ready for so much more than taking a gun out of a guy's hand and throat punching him. And when I saw Cecil yesterday, you got to be ready for that shit in life. It happens to everybody. And it's not easy to get through that, the divorce, the taxes, the losing a job, getting cut from a team. I remember when I got cut from my eighth, seventh grade basketball team, I remember writing on in college that I'm one of the best players in baseball in the country and I'm going to get drafted. And then I didn't. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't get drafted. And, and I, t I say it all the time. I get to hunt with major leaguers all the time now because I didn't give up. I didn't let that adversity strike me down and, and make me give up. I had that mental willpower to say, I'm still going for it. Still going for it. And now I get to go to baseball games and spring training and hunting. And I, I think that that's the bigger picture in life is like, what is it going to take for you to not you personally, but what is it going to take for you to become qualified to live this life and not just go through the motions? It's not. When, it, when everything's said and done, do you want a legacy? Yeah, sure. You want to show everybody respect? Yeah, sure. I don't, I definitely don't want to just be that guy that went through the motions and, and didn't, and didn't have the, the, the mental capabilities to get through all this shit. And it's coming. I promise you, no matter who you are out there listening, it's coming. And I'm sure that, it, that you faced adversity a lot in your life. We all have. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I want you to talk about though, that mixed or martial arts, I think that that's a segue to life. Like you can stay in martial arts your whole life and you're learning how to deal with more than just a knee kick or somebody coming at you with a knife. I think that that's the big picture. That's what I'm getting out of it. Like Krav Maga is badass, but I also know that 
Neil is a, a badass businessman. He's a badass realtor. He's got an unbelievable brand going. And Krav Maga has taught him to have confidence that no matter what you come at me with, and, I, and I've heard him say stuff like, dude, this guy's over here doing this stuff with me. He's causing me friction over here in this part of business. I'm, it's all right. I got it. Yeah. No problem. I got it. I, I, I'm ready for this. just man. Yes. But that's what you do with yeah. that background. Yeah. Yeah, I really think, um, you know, a couple, a couple things that always come to mind with this is, um, you know, martial arts is all about adaptability, adaptability and flexibility, you know, so you have these adverse situations come at you and you're able to adapt to it. And then you're able, you're able to be flexible with it as well. You know, um, like I couldn't be a career firefighter anymore. That's cool. That's fine. But I had to have the flexibility and the adaptability to find more work and then restrive that career, re look for that passion, look for what I want to do. Um, you know, and, and I think there's another saying out there that hard work plus risk equals opportunity. You know, the opportunities are out there. They're always there. And just being able to, if you're a hard worker and then you see that and you're able to make a, make a jump, right? You create your own opportunities. And I think, uh, being in martial arts, it helps really create that successful, uh, that successful mindset. Yeah. That there's a, the, the mindset of an entrepreneur of a champion is it's Scott Schleen even said it too. in that podcast is like, you don't see a whole lot of successful businessmen that don't take care of themselves. And I started thinking like, I think you're right. Like I, I know there's some, but there's the, the, the proofs in the pudding, the ones that I know they take care of themselves mentally, physically, emotionally. They, they work hard. They play hard. They're they're They love hard. They live hard. They parent hard. They do it all. You know, not, I'm not saying they're extremists, but you know, they, they live life to the fullest and they take care of themselves. I think that's another thing with martial arts is that I would assume that there's got to be a part of this mindset through this training. And I want to get back now into in between the third and the fourth degree black belt. I would think that your body is your temple. You, you, you get this mindset or through the, is there any book work in this? Is there any classroom time? Is there any like sitting down with your instructor and your, and, and be and, and getting life's lessons? Do they talk about nutrition? Do they talk about your, your temple and what goes in and what you can take out of it and any of that? Or is it all physical in martial arts? Um, I mean, as far as the training goes, I know that it, mentally it's there, but is there a lot of, is there any classroom time or book work in this? No, no. A lot of it is uh, mostly physical. And then, you know, we always, we always talk about how we can mentally be better and just be better people, better people in the community, uh, better people for ourselves or best versions of ourselves. Um, you know, between this, this third and fourth degree, you know, there's a, there's a pretty big gap where I kind of went out into the world, tried a lot of different things like firefighting, for example. Um, you know, I, I, I did a cage fight. I got the living shit kicked out of me in this, in this fight. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm good. Like, all right. I had a shoulder surgery right after that. So I, I went on a bit of, bit of a break in martial arts for a while. Um, and then, uh, then when I came back, you know, I, my, my, my seizures were good. My concussion syndrome was, was healing up really well. And, um, you know, just started, started training again. And, um, for my test, I decided to do a lot of, do a lot of work, um, and, and, and reading just on my own. Um, reading books such as uh, Beyond Grit, uh, Guerrilla Mindset, and things like that. And it's, they're, all, they're all about success. And it's funny, all these books, there's a million books out there, but they all have the same type of messages, just different words. 
Yeah, I think I think I've read some of the books, and I, I don't I don't know if I'd be a proponent of telling somebody like, "Hey, go out and read this book because it's going to teach you how to be successful." I think that those books are meant for. I don't think those books are going to teach you what martial arts is. I don't think that those books are going to teach you what life's going to throw at you. The message is there is the ability to be successful through steps and through, through focus, but it's easy to write that stuff for those people to where I think that reading it gives, sometimes it gives people like, man, if I read the millionaire mindset, or if I read something by Bo Peabody, or I read something that Donald Trump or, 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 you know, I just read the, the, the shoe dog, the Nike book, you're like, it's motivating, but it still doesn't, put you in that position to execute. And I don't know if I'm really being clear in my message here is that those books can only go get you so far. And I'm not saying that they didn't help you. I'm saying that your story and what you're doing was way derived before those books came. Those books helped you a little bit, but it was your training that got you to even pick one of those books up to see what else is out there and to even try to further your, your psyche of saying, Hey, what else can I, put into this temple what other education what other intelligence what other intellect can i put inside of my brain what can i do to become a better version of myself those books are written i think i don't know if they're going to make me go out and set the world on fire like your story talking to you will those books i think are meant you know to be they're they're a money maker that's what they are in my opinion and i mm-hmm. think that your story is more of like Yes, this messaging of discipline can get you here. It's not going to make you a millionaire. Reading that book is not going to make you a millionaire. Not even close. Not even close. But training and focus and the open-mindedness and awareness of saying, I can adapt. I can do this. He did this. I can do that. She did this. I can do that. There's all those success stories, but it still doesn't make you or put you in the position to succeed. Success comes, in my opinion, on what you said the only risk is a risk not taken. I've risked everything in my life multiple times. I keep betting on myself, my family. I don't put them in jeopardy, but I will always have that mindset of like, look, if I'm ro- if I'm in charge of this roller coaster, we're rolling. This is going to be badass. I, we're risking it. We're going for it. I'm not saying that we're going to be ignorant. I'm not saying that we're going to put everything that we have on the on the on on black or red. It's not a roulette table. I'm not saying that it's a gamble every time. I'm saying that I am not going to back away from a risk because if you don't risk something, the reward is always going to be just vanilla. Maybe a little strawberry, maybe a little Neapolitan with a little chocolate out on. I want the whole freaking Sunday with all of the toppings on it. I don't want to be the richest man in the world, but I want to taste that. I want to be like, this is life. I want to put myself in a position to, I risked it. Here's why I risked it. And it paid off. But a lot of them fail. And those failures, like you said in the beginning of this conversation, Zach, are what got me to the point to risk it again. Those failures are the best teacher in the world. And that's what MMA or mixed, you know, martial arts and MMA and all of your disciplines have taught you is like, Hey, I'm, I'm going for it. Now I'm still not done because now you're a fourth degree black belt. You tested for your fourth degree after taking a couple of years off, you achieve a fourth degree before you're 27. Well at 27, cause you just did this two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I saw you the day after a couple of days after. And I was like, man, you just got your fourth degree black belt. But you're now taking another step in your life to even add like what those books did. You're accepting the fact that you're not a know-it-all. You want to know more. So now you're taking another step and that's going to 
bring science into what you've already, this is like going to be the, like this ultimate robot that you could be creating. And I'm not kissing your ass. I'm just saying that if you think about it, you just spent 20 years getting, becoming somebody that can smoke somebody in a fight. You're mentally strong all the way through that adversity comes, you kick it in the head. Knife fight comes, you kick his teeth out. Now you're saying, all right, I'm going to go shadow Matt Pandola who I got the utmost respect for. And the more people learn about this guy, they need to, and his wife, Aaron, but he's uh, legit. Is he legit? Or am I on this podcast probably nine times now having him on here because I'm just kissing his ass because he gives me free training. He does not give me free training. He is so legit, right? Talk to me a little bit about Matt Pandola and where your mind is and why, because I know I'm, I'm assuming that the relationship started with Aaron going to Kelly. Kelly's the owner of, is the owner of, CMA conviction. Yep. Aaron starts training. They have a mutual friendship. Do you meet Matt Pandola through that? And more importantly, why are you in the gym every day now? What are you doing? Yeah. Awesome. Um, so start off. Yeah. So I would, I would coach Aaron a lot at uh, CMA. Um, and then Matt wanted, Matt always liked boxing and he wanted to do some private boxing lessons. So, um, you know, I was, uh, I was a mitts coach for a lot of, or mitts feeder for a lot of fighters here in Reno for a little bit there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Matt gave me a call and we set up some lessons and, you know, we would always shoot the shit a little bit about fitness. And at that time I was actually a, uh, a CrossFit. Um, I was coaching some CrossFit at, a at another CrossFit gym locally. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd pick his brain a little bit, you know, I'd be like, Hey, I got this guy, you know, he can't lift his lift his shoulder or his arm over his head right now. His shoulders just jacked. You know, what, do you have any ideas where I can help him out a little bit? And so we kind of just started building that relationship a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think finally he, uh, you know, he kind of talked about my goals a little bit and, you know, I told him, right. I mean, right now I'm, I'm moving boxes around for a living, doing warehouse work. And, um, you know, no, that's not what I want to do the rest of my life. I want to, uh, do some training and I you know, I want to help people. I want to make people the best versions of themselves. I want to work with kids. They're super fun to work with. Um, they're also the biggest shitheads ever, which is awesome. And, uh, so I think maybe, you know, a week or two after that conversation, he really, uh, he, he dropped the ball on me and said, Hey, what do you, what do you think about coming and interning here? And I said, all right, let's do it. You know? And, uh, so right now I've just, um, that's the big goal is to be working with the kids and, uh, hopefully become a, become a trainer there eventually. And, um, uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's funny. I go back and I help teach some martial arts classes and I look at the body a hundred percent different than I was before. Um, because of Pendola, because of Pendola. Yeah. Dude's a scientist. So, and the stuff that I'm studying right now, he, he makes me look at the body at different angles and like, okay, now we're doing head kicks and now I have all these hip releases I can do. And I know how the joint works and the hip capsule, how to, how to loosen that up and how to prevent injury. And I'll tell you what, before my black belt test, my legs were wrecked. They were wrecked. And, uh, I was like, Matt, I need help kicking. And for my black belt test, he had me do a couple hip releases. I have never friggin' kicked so good in my life. It was like, I felt like that was the highest I've ever kicked, the fastest, the strongest that I've ever kicked. And I had run probably, you know, 10 miles the day before, pushed a 500 pound weight sled and doing duck walks and army crawl in the friggin' sand for an hour. So, um, yeah, I think, 
I think the guy knows 100% what he's doing, and I want to learn as much as I can from him and, uh, and, and just knock this process out. Why is Matt different? Why, why do you think he, because I've, I've seen other trainers, I've, I've, I've listened to other trainers and, and I've, I've, you know, listened to their messaging and their process. And Matt is, is, a, he's slow spoken in a way to where he is a scientist. Like when he's talking people, it could be very easy for me to be like, to disregard the information. When I, when, when you hear somebody talk like Matt, you're just like, what is he saying? What is he saying? And then at the end of it, you're like, Oh, Whoa. And that's a discipline. It's like, if you shut up for a second and you just sit down with him and you let him get to what he's saying and you're just like, man, that makes so much sense. It makes so much freaking sense to be, why are we doing this? Oh, that's why we're doing it. When I did the sled push the other day and I had 10 plates on there, I could have did 16 or 18 plates. That's how strong I felt. Like I literally felt like so strong with the, with the motions I was using with my toe, the ball on my foot, my calf muscle mixed with my hamstring, mixed with my IT band, mixed with my quadricep, mixed with my gluteus maximus and my ass muscle. And the way that I was pushing that through the form that he taught me, I was like, I feel like I could push anything around right now. And that's, again, I look at it like when I'm in there, I have, I have a, I'm blessed to have the lifestyle to get to go in there. And I don't take it for granted. And I got to the point now to where at, at usually at this point in somebody's life, I'm thinking like, man, they, I don't want to go to the gym anymore. And now I hate myself for missing a workout there, not just because of the way I feel after in a few days out, you know, the pain I'm in and, and the way, you know, I, I feel so strong mentally coming out of there and physically. But the mindset it gives me now is what you're learning. You're going to learn this mindset daily being in there of, man, dude, this mixed with what I've learned the last 20 years. Like I, I went back to like, you're, you're creating this like supreme being of now you got Matt that has all this knowledge. He's got all this science and he's working with therapists and he's working with MDs and he's working with pediatrics, I mean, not pediatrics, but orthopedics and all of these different mindsets. And he's gathering all this information and Matt's a runner, mm-hmm. but now he's boxing. He's throwing hands his wife's a first degree black belt. I won't be surprised if Matt signs up and gets his someday. He's 45 years old, 46 years old. He looks like he's 30. His body is jacked. He doesn't do anything but besides run and work out and eat right. And I'm wondering if Matt, if I sat him down and said, do you regret not having what being able to do what Zach can do in the combat sports and the martial arts and the mixed martial arts. Are you going to get to that point now to where do you want to go back? Like I want to go back and get in with Neil and Lerf Krav Maga. I want to learn how to choke somebody. I want to learn an arm bar. I want to learn jujitsu. And it's easy to say that. It's so easy for me to say that the next step is like, well, now I got to sign up now I'm signed up and now I got to go. And what else is that referred to? That's life. I'm signed up. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I got to go. If you don't go, I'm not going to learn jujitsu. I'm not going to learn Krav Maga. Matt's not going to learn it. You're not going to learn from Matt if you don't sign up and go internship and shadow him. Right. You're not making any money doing that. You might be making a little, but the knowledge is the richness in that. That's the economic freedom of being able to say, dude, now I got more put in here. Now I can execute. Now I'm ready to execute in life. And that's what anything that you look at in life is a stair step to that is like, I got pieces. I'm putting them in place. I got short-term goals. I'm putting them in place. I got a long-term goal set over here on this side of my physical. I got a financial long-term goal set over here. I got an IRA working here. I got a hedge fund working over here. I got investments over here. I just bought two rental properties over here and all these pieces are starting to come together. And you're like, 
man, how did I think, how did I know to buy those properties? How did I know to set this up? How did I know to go work out with Matt? It's because you're prepared for that because of your training, of your discipline, of your upbringing, of your mom and dad's dedication and love for you to let you have that lifestyle as a kid. And now you're going on your own and saying, I'm going to put more into it. And that's the ability of, that's, that's what having the ability to live life is. It ain't just about signing up. That's why all that participation shit and all those trophies and everybody that gets means nothing to me. I don't mm-hmm. care if my kid signed up and is on the team. Anybody can sign up and play seven-year-old volleyball. I want her to get something out of it, even if they never win a game, even if she never gets a medal or is on the podium or makes the Olympic, anything. I want her to get that team unity, that discipline, everything that comes in the leadership and the respect for the coaches and her teammates and the individuals to where she never does grow up and think that she has to have, have a knife and go hold it up to somebody and try to take their money that they work so hard to get. That's the discipline that that kind of lifestyle brings. And now you're adding to it of going, hey, Matt Pandola. I'm here. I'm successful. I'm fourth degree freaking black belt. And I'm asking you to teach me. I could whip your ass, Matt Pandola. And that's not your mindset. Your mindset is, dude, you're a freaking godsend. You're a scientist. I want to learn from you. So now you have another instructor. You have another life coach. You have another person in your life that now you're looking up going, oh my God, I just spent 20 years learning all of this and testing for all of this. And now I'm going to put myself through it again. You think about it. It's not easy. You're not just signing up. That's what life is. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. And I think, you know, working with Matt, it's, it's one of those things where he, he integrates everything he can. He integrates the mind. He integrates the body. Um, and he integrates your work ethic because you got to put in, you got to put in time outside of the gym. He signs up, signs you up for time outside of the gym every day. You have to do something, you know? And so I think it's, it came from this whole new element of, of staying hungry for me, you know? Um, like I said, I, I mean, I love, I love like working with the body and seeing what it can do, especially in the martial arts aspect. And then, um, you know, working, working with these young athletes is, uh, has always been huge for me. It's always my favorite class to teach when I was coaching martial arts. So, um, but yeah, I, I gotta stay challenged. I gotta stay busy. If I don't do that, I, I fall into bad places. And give me an idea of what that would be. What is a bad place? Is it, is it laziness? Is it um, like you, you feel like you're not achieving something that day? Can you turn it on like you can turn it off? Um, I mean, can you turn it off like you can turn it on and, and get right back to it? Because that's the mindset. When you start getting to that point to where you're driven, you're goal oriented and you're driven in life, Another part of it is that discipline that you learn to turn it off. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to quit whipping your ass right now. I just got my fourth degree black belt, but I'm not going to go celebrate. I'm going to go to match gym and put myself through another hell day of not just physical getting beat up or, or you know, working out hard and sure. cardio and, and, and all of this interval training. And, but now I'm going to learn and knowledge. And that's not easy. That's testing your wit and your, your intellect every day. What do you mean? What do you fall into? If you're not doing something, what is Zach Robo going to fall into? It seems to me like you have the mindset like, all right, I'm not going to train today, but I'm going to go and I'm going, I'm going to go get a massage and I'm going to rest because rest is important. I'm going to go eat a good meal. I might go have a little sushi. I need some protein. I might have a little sticky rice because I earned a carb day. I earned some starches, but your whole mindset is like, you're looking at every one of those pieces. Like these are all going to add into the big picture. So what the hell could go wrong? What are you talking about? Falling into what bad? Yeah. I think, um, if I don't have my goals and I'm not, 
I'm not just driving all day, every day. Um, whether that's <clears throat> going and getting chiropractic work and a massage one day or doing a light run or whatever, maybe, uh, indulging in, in some good food, maybe some ice cream. That's my weakness. Um, you know, I, I, I think if I don't have these goals and I don't have this structure, um, you know, I fall into just being purely lazy, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know what to do. And then I'll end up watching some good movies on the couch all day and eating like shit. And then, uh, that's America. That's yeah. life, ain't it? And then the day's over and I'm like, shit, that was my only day off. I just wasted it. Yeah. I could have gone and done some other cool stuff. Yeah. But, but I don't <laughs> know. I don't necessarily agree with you to the fact that there's nothing wrong with a movie day. Yeah. And that's the mindset that me personally, with the way I am, I mean, like I, I slept for an hour and a half last night because my wheel started turning. I went to bed in the, the best mood that I've been in. Like I, I, I like I cherish, I, I take a lot of pride in staying happy and staying upbeat and staying optimistic. And again, I have adversity, but I ain't going to share. I'm not going to go out and be like, Oh my God, this is happening. Like I, 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 I deal with it. I went to bed in the best mood in my life last night. I'm like, I'm going to get a good night's sleep. I got this awesome conversation with Zach coming up tomorrow. I got to wake up and I got, had a lot to do this morning. Mm -hmm. And then my wheels start turning. I'm like, man, I wonder if I do this. I wonder if I do that. And that's not good. That's it, it, it's, it, it, it can be good because I'm driven and I know that I'm going to get stuff done, but my body deserves rest. You have to rest. Now, with that being said, we have soldiers fighting for our freedom that'll go 48 hours without sleep, you oh, know, in their training, they do it. And I'm not going to sit here and bitch and go, I'm so tired today. I'm exhausted, but I'm not going to let you know that. Well, I just did. Cause I said it, but I'm proving a point, Zach. I'm not going to go, I'm not, I'm going to miss my workout today. I'm Zach. I can't, I, I did cancel a podcast on you cause I double booked myself because my brain was probably tired or something. I need an assistant. I can have all the excuses in the book. I said, Hey, this is the deal. We reschedule it. We're on today. I was so exhausted. I'm like, man, I really hope that I got, I, I, I can get through this part. I didn't think like that. I'm mm -hmm. like, dude, I'm going to do it. I'm going to deal with it. I, I can sleep tonight. I hate the analogy. You hear people all the time be like, you can sleep when you're dead. Yeah, I understand that. You can go and go and go and go, but sooner or later failure is going to come because your body's going to be like, dude, you're abusing the piss out of me. Slow the frick down. Right. You hit that wall and you either get yeah. sick, you so, get hurt. So your movie day is good for you. So your mindset has to be, dude, I'm, I can't do what I do when I'm doing it every day. I can't have that mindset of like, Sunday comes and I'm like, oh, my phone, oh, I got to keep up my social media. I got to make sure that I'm doing this. Got to make sure that sales are doing this. Got to make sure that this promo is in place for tomorrow morning. And I'm sitting there going, I got all this time today to enjoy it. Go cook a meal, go sit by the waterfall, be with my daughter, listen to some good tunes, freaking get the freak out of it. Like shut it off, right? That's another discipline. And it's a lot easier said than done because when you get in the position in life where you start maybe tasting a little success or you see a couple of those pieces of that puzzle coming, oh my God, Matt's bringing me in the gym. Oh my God, I can do this. You still got to be able to say, yeah, Sunday I'm rolling. I'm going to watch the Godfather part one, part two, part three. I'm going to have a little bit of hot, a little bit of a Tahoe creamery ice cream. That's oh, my boy's go. new ice cream company. <laughs> and uh, I almost said haagen but I got to get it in my mind. Tahoe creamery, Alex Crosby. So I had some the other night. It isn't it awesome? awesome. Yeah. Isn't it good? It what flavor? Uh, the mint chocolate chip. Isn't it bomb? Yeah, dude. <sighs> well done, Tahoe creamery. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you got to enjoy that stuff too. You And you're younger than me, and I'm not trying to mentor you, which, it, but in this segment, in this instance, I'm mentoring both of us of saying sleep and rest and shutting it off and, and, and enjoying those little times of, I, I hate it. I feel like such a failure when my daughter looks at me and goes, daddy, get off the phone. 
And I'm just like, oh my God, I never wanted to turn into that guy. Sure. And life happens and all of a sudden I turned into that guy. Like I, I got to be better at turning it off. And that's a huge discipline. That's hard to do because I don't want to quit. I want to keep rolling. I know I don't, I, I'm very good about not worrying about my competition. I'm really good at that. Like I've gotten really good at that over life. Whereas before I'm just like, oh my God, they're coming after me. Oh my God, they're talking about me. Oh my God, they're copying me. Oh my God, they're knocking us off. Oh my God, what am I going to do? They just kicked our ass in this print ad campaign. I don't even care. Because if I'm worrying about them, I'm missing the shit that I need to worry about in our organization to be successful. And I'm not being judged by my success compared to them other people. You're not being judged on your black belts better than the person standing next to you. You earned a fourth degree black belt because you stayed the course, you had focus and discipline and commitment, and you tested well, and you kicked ass. And when you could have given up, that's what I'm saying is that I could give up every day if I want to in life. I'm not going to worry about you. I'm not going to worry about the competition. I'm going to go and do me, show respect, stay focused, and be able to turn it off when I need to and not worry that my competition's on my heels. It's mm -hmm. not the case. Slow down. Pump the brakes. I'm getting better at that. Take a deep breath, a systematic breathing, meditation. It sounds kind of weird. I'm going to go meditate. No, meditation can come in so many different forms. I meditate when I'm watching TV. I meditate when I'm in my truck. I posture, breathing, systematic breathing. It clears my head. It takes away headaches. It makes me breathe better. It makes my lung capacity go up to where I could be a better duck caller and a goose caller. Like, I feel like I have the best lung capacity in the world. Like, I could be a ninja because I can hold my breath underwater for five minutes. I know that I can't, but I, I think that I can. That's my mindset. And I know that that's one of the deals to become a Navy SEAL or a ninja or a badass, you know, in life. And, but that mental mindset that I have is like, dude, I'm going to kick ass in so many different ways. I'm going to deserve that Sunday to take it off. And I got to get better at doing so. Cause if I don't one day life's going to go, dude, you ain't letting it rest enough, man. You're going to get hurt. You're going to, you're going to miss some key components of something. You're going to drop the ball. You're going to become forgetful. I've even heard as much as that some people use their brain so much that they can clog it up and they got to get surgeries. It's, I'm not going to name the name, but it's happening to one of my friends right now. You, you, you go so hard in life, it will slow you down. So my point is, Zach, take that Sunday. Don't like, because it's hard. Man, I feel like such a, I'm, I didn't work out today. I feel like a slouch. I, I, my gut, you know, I, I feel bloated. I didn't work out. And it's like, no, man, the body recovers. Time will heal. It doesn't mean that you can't be enjoying that day off to the fullest. It doesn't mean that. But you got to be able to rest. So, that's, I think that that's another discipline that that mentality that you have should teach you is it's okay to pump the brakes a little bit and take a day off. When you hear Matt, I ate ice cream last night. And I'm like, what? You had sushi and ice cream in the same year? Oh yeah, that blew my mind. Blew my mind. <laughs> but he should do that more often. He should, and maybe he does. Maybe he's a closet sushi eater, a closet <laughs> ice cream eater. Maybe he is, but he burns so many calories throughout his week and his day that he can do it. He deserves it. Take the time to be with your daughter, your family. You know, taking that time to go to the hospital yesterday and see Cecil, I was so happy when I left there because I'm like, he's okay. He's okay. I very sure. easily could have made every excuse in the book not to go. And a lot of us do that. With the way society is now, it's easy to make an excuse not to go do that because this is more important. And I think that your discipline is teaching you Yes, things I, I do prioritize. You said that in the beginning of this. It teaches you prioritization. It's huge in success and organizational skills, time management, networking, not dropping the ball, doing something that you said you're going to do, follow through. I've learned all this the hard way. 
I'm t- I could tell you story after story of failures of just little things like, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll get you some ammo. And then a year later, hey, uh, thanks for that ammo. And you're like, son of a bitch. You mm-hmm. got to prioritize. You got to make sure that you follow through. And taking those rest days allows that little thing in your head called your brain to get back to where it needs to get. Yeah. Kind of reset a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent. And I think Matt would say the same thing. I think so. I think like I, I, I put more stuff on my plate, right? So it's like, okay, I finished my black belt test. Like I'm going to take a little break here. You know, I take, I think I took probably a week and a half, two weeks off just to rest and chill, relax, enjoy life a little bit. And you know, now it's go time, man. I have this huge certification that I have to be ready by, uh, by June. And, um, yeah, it's kind of, I crank out no rest days kind of thing. And it's, it's go, go, go. And then once that happens, I'll probably take like a week off and then I'll sure I'll find something else. And, and where, where are you martial arts wise now? Is it going to be, where does it stop in your mind? Do you see an end game to this is, I know you're always going to have the discipline and the focus, but do you see an end game in how many black belts can a martial artist get? Um, you know, I think that really all depends on where your instructor goes with it. I don't really have a good answer for that one, but, um, you know, I think right now on the martial arts side, as far as just training for my black belts go, you know, I'll probably take a little step back from that. I'll be, I'm sure I'll be uh, coaching there a little bit. Um, but aside from that, I'm going to really focus on my, just the art of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And at the same time being, becoming a personal trainer. Yep. So you, your, your outlook on life, your livelihood, as far as your day job, who knows what doors are going to open through what you're achieving right now, your livelihood is going to be, you want to become a personal trainer qualified to train in fitness, interval training, weight training, strength and conditioning, as well as teaching and becoming an instructor and staying an instructor in martial arts. And so you're going to be going back and forth between different gyms and different disciplines. You're going to go from teaching Krav Maga and throat punching somebody to over here on the correct form on a sled push or, you know, not breaking the egg on a one leg squat. Sure. Yep. Which is so important in life. Mm-hmm. People don't get that. Like it's very important not to break the egg. Learn how to step, learn how to walk. Don't be all heavy footed, be an athlete. Mm -hmm. Don't let me hear you coming down the hallway. If you do let me hear you, I'm probably not going to need Krav Maga to whip your ass. I'm just going to keep you at a distance because I heard you sneaking up on me. See that right there? You got to be, you got to be a ninja. And that's what I'm saying is like your disciplines are going to take you into the way of like, man, now you've already, you just admitted, I'm understanding the body more. That can only help. It helps me and I'm a duck hunter, but I know that when I'm, doing things in the field, I can execute now on different ways to be a better shot, get my breathing down better, my posture better, my core straight better. I don't get injured. I don't turn ankles in an uneven cornfield when I'm walking with two armfuls of decoys. I don't, you know, roll my ankle and stuff or when I'm running after running after something in a field or doing something, my injury, I don't get injured. I don't feel, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not possible, but I understand the body. If I do this, I'm going to get these results. It's all in like keeping the knees out and the squats that we're learning and, and the jump roping and the correct posture. And it's not just going through the motions, right? I don't go in that gym and have Matt look away and try to quit. I know that sometimes I have to let down because my cardio might not be there, but I could very easily cheat in that gym every single exercise that I can. I try not to. I don't want to. When you look the other way, I don't want to be like, oh, because now that's just defeating the purpose. Again, 
Life's message. What are you doing when nobody's looking? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Integrity. What are you going to do right now? I have the ability to go and, 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 and make some extra money on this deal. But integrity wise, I wouldn't do that if the whole world was watching and nobody's looking. I'm still not going to do it. I'm just not going to be that guy because my dad and my mom and my discipline and my coaches and my upbringing taught me like, no, dude, you don't do that. That's not right. And I could every day. There's different deals out there every day that you can get involved in and become involved in. But that's not me. I don't want that. And I think that that gym is that little message in the gym. Do this, Chad. All right, Matt. I'm going to go in my office. Okay, I'm not going to do it then. No, I'm going to freaking do it. I might die. I might fall. I might have to fall down on my hands and knees to get my breath. I might have to lay on my back because my heart rate's at 290 because of what, but I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to cheat unless I have to stop. And my body tells me when I have to. I want to get to the point to where I can go longer. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. But I could very, just like in life, nobody's watching. I ain't going to stop. I'm not going to back off. I'm not going to cheat my way through it. I want to do things right. I want to learn patience. I want to learn the mental aptitude of being patient and letting something happen. A relationship. Don't press yourself on a girl so much, Chad. Pump the brakes. My good friend at Federal, Brian Kelvington, he's a badass wrestler. He's a res, res, uh, NCAA Division One and Division Two referee. Unbelievable mindset like this guy has. And he's just like, building, pump the brakes. That's all he says, pump the brakes. That's it. He doesn't go, you got to kick ass. You got to do this. You got to do that. He's just like, he knows I do that. My problem is slowing down, pumping the brakes and making sure that I keep everything in line by what we're talking about, by staying, staying the course and staying focused and staying what my discipline taught me. My discipline was different than yours, but I bet you that a lot of it would be consistent with the way you're approaching life. And I've taught myself some of it. I learned from other ways. And I think that that's the secret is like, you've talked about, well, I learned this from this guy and we took this discipline over here and we learned this from Brazil. We learned this from Israel. What's the same in life? I took a little bit from what Matt said. Aaron taught me this about, you know, you know, tightening my hand, whatever it is. I took this from Fred Dalimore at UNLV. I took this from Scott Shalene's podcast. I took this from an episode of, of Murder, She Wrote, I watched. I learned something. Whoa, what? I took all this stuff. Just like America, we're a melting pot. All this stuff's going in my brain. And now I got to figure out a way to internalize it and prioritize it and use it to my my ability to my advantage to capitalize on it and hopefully become a mentor to be able to teach somebody else something who knows who knows i'm learning every single day every freaking day i learn something in business and life and parenting what i should have did what i shouldn't have done it's it's awesome yeah i think that's that's cool i actually haven't really looked at it in in that regard where you, you just take a little bit of this and then looking at the MMA world, like, oh, this is the best from this discipline, this discipline, this discipline. And you go in and you make a, a melting pot. And it's the same thing that we do. Like even with those, those books I was telling you that I, that I read, like Beyond Grit, like, sure, there's some cool concepts in there and this, and eh, don't really need, not applicable, not applicable. Boom. I like that. Exactly. I'm going to take it. And, and that's what those books in, do. You know? That's, what yeah. those, that's where I was trying to get with my point on those books is like, yeah, you're going to take something out of them, but don't, by no means, don't think you're going to read it cover to cover, babe. And that was a quote from the movie Major League. Have you sure. read Moby Dick cover to cover, babe? You'll, you need to watch that movie if you haven't seen it in America. Major League. Have you seen it with Charlie Sheen? Nope. Watch it tonight. Do yourself a favor. But what you're saying is so important. That's where I was trying to get with that. Those books you read. Yeah, you're going to take something out of it, but you're not going to read them cover to cover and be like, Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna become a billionaire now. It, it's not that's not that was my point. I'm right. not saying they're bad. I'm not saying they're a waste of time. I'm just saying that 
they're not going to be the end all. It's just right. taking a little thing there. That's not your ticket. Yeah. Take a little thing there. No, but it's, it's, I would hate to, I'm so glad that I have the opportunity in life to earn wealth from the ground up. I am so thankful for that. That's one of my biggest thankfulness. My dad was a union plumber. My mom's a nurse practitioner. I was not born into money. Our family never had money. My mom and dad worked their asses off to take us to Disneyland and Disney World. And they spent every dollar they made to make sure that we had a childhood and an upbringing and adolescence and all that. They're the ones that deserve the credit. I'm so thankful. I look at it like they gave me the ability to become educated. They gave me the ability to become a, a better version of myself through baseball, through the sports they ran me around town every day in. And now I get the chance to acquire a livelihood, potentially wealth, a, a, a good income from the ground up because they taught me how to build things from a foundation up. They didn't just go, hey, here it is. Here's life. Here's your ticket. I don't want the ticket. I want to build. I want to freaking achieve. I want to build with the team. I want to look back and go, man, look at what we did. That to me is the baddest ass feeling in the world. That's what martial arts, man, look what I just did. Took all these disciplines, put in this pot, tested for this black belt, boom. Fourth degree, boom. Matt Pendola, I'm shouting you, boom. Five years from now, you might be coaching the Olympic team. You might be writing books. You might be doing seminars, motivational speeches at freaking college campuses all America. And here's how you treat your body. Here's how you do this. Here's this. It's all mixed together. And now here is the Zach Robo model of what I've learned over the last 30, 40 years. You're 50 years old giving this seminar. And I'm just like, God dang it, man. That is a freaking lot of life packed into 50 years. And that's what living is about. No going through the motions and no participation award. Because at the end of the day, when we're in that box or that little vase sitting on somebody's mantle, nobody gives a shit. Mm -hmm. That's where legacy comes in. doesn't matter how rich you are. I don't care. I don't care that Donald Trump's grandkids and their grandkids don't have to worry about money. It doesn't matter. It's about the character, the integrity, the people that they become through his legacy or through the way they're... Uh, uh, you know, they're, they're brought up by their parents. Who knows what they're going to turn out to be? That money doesn't mean shit. Doesn't mean shit. That success doesn't mean shit. It's all about how you structure it and how you get there. The story, the roller coaster ride, the integrity. What are you doing when nobody's looking? That's what martial arts in this conversation has taught me. Like my outlook is like, dude, I feel like maybe I was a martial artist because I do have a cool outlook on life. I got that discipline. I just don't have that ability to throat punch somebody when they try to stab me with a knife. You're going to go sign up now? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to call Neil today. I'm not kidding you. I'm going to go. I want to, I want to learn some moves. Not because I think it's going to happen, but if it does, I want to be prepared. Yeah. And I'm not afraid. I, I'm not afraid to take that step and say, Neil, teach me. Krav Maga. I want to learn. And I think it's badass. So your fourth degree black belt, you're 27 years old. You're mentoring. I mean, you're, you're, you're coaching and instructing at, at the CMA mm -hmm. and Kelly has an unbelievable business going there. She's a world champion. If, if, if tell me a little bit about her and, and what's going on within those doors. So Kelly bonafide badass. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so world champion, she's, um, also got great stand up learning from, you know, Greg Jackson's. Um, and I've trained with her since I was six years old. Um, she's always been, been my instructor. Um, so over there right now they have a, um, <clears throat> they have a full on martial arts program. They have it for little kids starting at like four years old. I think we have a real, real young program there. And then, um, you have a, a children's program going through the martial arts. And, uh, then we also have an adult program right now. Um, 
And then on top of that, they also have the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu side of things. So, um, and a, a full-on great, great program for that as well. And where it's, it's, there just one location. Yeah. So right now there's just one location. What a great name for a martial art studio. Yeah. Like what is the definition of conviction? Ooh, um, this is, I don't want you to do it. I don't want it, I don't want it to be a mediocre definition. I don't know it. I want, that's, that's our study. That's when we come together tomorrow, we'll be tomorrow in the gym. I want to be able to talk about what the word conviction means and where Kelly's going with that. Mm-hmm. And then I want you to call Kelly today and I want you to tell her about this and see if she'll come on here. Cause I want to, I want to roll with her okay. not physically. I don't want to roll with her in jujitsu. I want to roll with her conversation wise and see where the frick her mind is mm-hmm. to be a female bad bona fide bad owning your own MMA studio conviction, conviction, martial arts, not MMA martial arts studio in Reno, Nevada conviction. She's a world champion, a national champion. She's a black belt on several different levels. I don't know what degree do you, she's a fifth degree black belt. I want to talk with her. So see if you can set that up with an introduction. Matt Pendola is a big mentor to you. His wife, Aaron Pendola training is an awesome business in Reno and they're turning out awesome world-class Olympic athletes, Olympians, track runners, cross-country runners. Uh, Gabby Williams in the WNBA plays for Chicago. We've had her here at the podcast. Just an awesome brand that Matt's building, and his message is even more awesome than his brand is. So kudos to you. Keep kicking ass. Let's rejoin this in uh, maybe June or July when you go on that little hiatus that you're talking about. I want to know where you're at with that. I want to know how the training with Matt and the shadowing and what your process, how the process is going of internalizing what he's teaching you because he's got a lot of knowledge, dude. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to learn a lot in there. So that's it, guys. That's Zach Robo. He's a, he's a badass in Reno. Fourth degree black belt from Conviction Martial Arts. Kelly, will be talking to you soon. Um... I think, I think that I'm going to end it by saying this is that life is not easy. And I'm, I'm just one person saying that I will tell you straight up, all of us are going to go through adversity. So do you stay in your lane and figure out what you need to put in your toolbox? What is your skill set going to be to get through life and enjoy it and live it to the fullest, live hard, love hard. I don't know if you need to party hard, even though partying's fun. Don't let anybody take that away, but be safe, be ethical, have good manners. When you see somebody in the military, thank them in uniform. Thank our police officers, our first responders, our firefighters, our EMTs. Be a good citizen, be an asset to society and your communities. Do something good for somebody, smile, wave, be in a good mood, be optimistic and be disciplined. And um, and Zach's learning all that through mixed martial arts, through martial arts, through fourth degree black belt. I learned it through sports. I learned it through good parenting. I learned it through just different things in life. There's different paths that we're all gonna take. Stay in your lane and figure out what you're gonna need. This is This life ain't for everybody and I think today's talk was a perfect example of that that maybe you're going to get there a different way just because he's a badass bona fide fourth degree black belt doesn't mean that you need to be to be a badass in society do what it takes live your life love y'all thank y'all so much for the support today's episode again was brought to you by the world whitetail championships north american whitetail championships i should say that's going to happen all throughout the 2019 season in 14 different regions across america and canada it's going to be an awesome contest for 300 you're entered to win and qualified to win fifty thousand dollars cash money sign up at nawtc.com look for them on instagram and facebook at nawtc north american whitetail championships brought to you 
by Bone Collector, Michael Waddell and the Booger Bottom Crew. It's also brought to you today by Mountain Ops. Check out their full line of supplements and merchandise and apparel. I love them. Thank you, Jordan, so much for everything you do for our podcasts and our TV shows. And again, last but not least, stay sharp, America. Stay sharp, the world. Get an Elk Ridge blade. Not to do what we talked about today on this podcast, but I'm talking about to be a provider. Go live off the land. Go kill you a deer and butcher it and process it and cook them back straps or go get you a mallard duck live off the land guys i can't wait don't forget to eat wild get it on that traeger i can't wait to get on my traeger this week and we already got a big a big party and barbecue planned of all wild game and some fresh alaskan hell of it for everybody at the foul life banded and this life ain't for everybody tom rashashin tam will you please do me a favor play Leith Lofton, what you going to do when the money's all gone. Thank you all very much. Day life owners won't last that long. What you going to do when the money's all gone?